0: Remember when you used to get video games back in the day, there'd be like at least like a 20 page booklet of Holy like shit. explaining the backstory. I remember like getting a new game and being so excited that like on my way home, I would read the booklet
1: before I even like played the game. I just went through that entire process of reading some of those books again because of the move. Like I have like the Zelda Ocarina of Time box for the N64 and the book in it. I was nice. reading through it and I was like, I wonder how much this is worth in just the box with the book, no game included is like $45. Wow. That is impressive. Yeah, it's un- unreal cuz nerds just want to go back to that time. That is the record version of like nerd shit. <laughs> They're like just give me my InQuest
0: magazine back, <laughs> my my Nintendo Power and some like
1: it. I some was booklets. Just about to say Nintendo Power
0: <laughs> and my RBI baseball booklet for the regular nintendo
1: <laughs> i'm just waiting until i find like my worm light for my game boy <laughs> that's got to be worth a gazillion dollars at this point oh dude i still have my old school
0: five pound regular game boy you know like the non-backlit one one. Oh, it's not even in color not just the original like it dude It had the
1: loudest speakers. Like, it was like a fucking boombox that you could carry on your shoulder. (laughs) No, that original, like, brick, the gray Game Boy, with, like, the green screen. Yeah. (laughs) It's not black and white. It's green and black.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Dude, that's how I played, uh, not Link to the Past, uh, Link's Awakening.
1: Yes. I remember having that, like, getting it from somebody. The only game that I played on that was Dr. Mario. Fuck yeah. I think it was before IP even existed, so everybody was just like, I don't know, we came up with an idea, and it exists, and everybody else could just steal the idea for free. It's just an exact knockoff of Tetris, but Mario version, and I crushed that game.
0: And wasn't there like a Yoshi's Egg one?
1: Oh, or Yoshi's absolutely. Cookies?
0: <laughs> Yoshi's cook. Fuck, now I gotta look this up, dude. Because
1: Yoshi, in his, his side hustle, was actually bacon
0: yeah he was okay so yoshi's cookies was oh no you're right i was right it was uh for the nes and the game boy and eventually the super nintendo
1: that's incredible
0: well maybe i didn't burn all my brain cells
1: welcome to the fetch and shock old person podcast
0: (laughs) (laughs) see i I can remember obscure game i don't even remember playing this game i just remember that it exists but i can't remember what my wife asked me to do like three hours
1: ago i don't know (laughs) You just remember sometime in the early 90s, late 80s, <laughs> something existed and it had something to do with Yoshi and baking.
0: It That's one of my pet peeves is I'll remember just a, a hint of something, whether it's a song or a movie or a fucking game or I don't know. And then it will drive me slowly insane until I figure it out. Oh, absolutely. It happened yeah. with... Um, Ah, oh, see now I don't remember. I I eventually found it. God, it feels like an orgasm when you find it though, when you finally oh. after just searching and searching <laughs> and you just like, "Oh, it's just like a mental cum it's explosion." That release.
1: Yeah, it feels real good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there was some movie like in the late 80s or early 90s where like this kid traveled <laughs> he like jumped into a stamp and would travel through the mail. And then, oh, like, shit. pop out of the stamp or some shit. Like, it was not a popular movie, but six months ago, dude, I was, I was just, I, I was probably driving or in the shower or something. And it just popped in my head. And I was like, fuck, here we go. This, this is going to consume
1: the next eight hours of my life. Oh, and that, that's when it always happens too. Like, when you're alone with nobody to, to try to help you with this, you think of the most obscure shit. And then you're just like, fuck, this is going to torture me for either the next 20 minutes. Or the next thirty years of my life,
0: <laughs> and then I try and text all my friends like, "Hey, do you remember?" And they have no idea what I'm talking about. They're no use, so I have to just do like the weirdest Google searches of my life. Like I already <laughs> look at weird shit, but this is
1: like very obscure things. Hey, you were, Google, do you remember that movie with the stamp kid? <laughs> Go, even Google just like, are you are you pie right now? <laughs> like. What are you talking about? Okay, so <laughs> I found the
0: movie. It's Tommy Tricker and the Stamp Traveler,
1: 1988. That sounds
0: incredible. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it was the most
1: god-awful movie in existence. Um, that, but... that sounds like one of those books that, like, choose your own adventure books. <laughs> where it's like you read the first three pages and then you make a choice and it's like either skip to page nine or skip to page 143
0: and then you you like die and you're like
1: no no i i don't i choose the other one i was just kidding and then you got done with the book and you're like wow i can't believe i made it through without making one single wrong decision (laughs) i'm a god yeah
0: man i should be like a champion of something
1: what is up bozos welcome back to another episode of the fetch and shock podcast i am your host a double masters pack with two blade splicers, tyler and joining me this week very special guest the thought sees on arena Corey. Corey, what is going on dude hey my
0: name is matt and i i don't like white borders and uh <laughs> i get too competitive when i play commander
1: <laughs> actually that Matt, I can't believe you're back. <laughs> What's going on, man? <laughs> oh, oh my God. It is actually Corey. Dude, you had me really confused right there. I know. I've been
0: practicing my, um, my impressions lately. Yeah. What are you? You're Jeff Dunham now? Um, well, that's an insult, but uh...
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can't see you right now, but I'm just assuming you have a Matt puppet sitting on your lap. Oh, well, now
0: the the jig is up, that I've had this Matt voodoo doll that I just carry around with me. So oh. you know, yeah, it it's for good luck but also um I'm just kind of into uh, uh torture, you know? I mean, aren't we all at least in it, some way or another? Yeah, so I just I just sit the doll down and then I have a, a a deck of basic lands right next to me, so every time he goes to draw off the top of his deck, it's just a basic land. <laughs> That's that might
1: be the single worst form of voodoo. <laughs> ever
0: yeah yeah it's pretty good i've been practicing
1: that's the meanest thing anybody could ever do
0: yeah uh people like to blame it on the shuffler i just think that there's a lot of magic voodoo going on out there
1: i mean just imagine what is the crossover community between magic players and people who do voodoo i that's a that's probably a pretty big crossover yeah it's like if if it's a venn diagram it's actually just a circle
0: yeah because what one leads to the other basically if you, if you get into magic, eventually you'll be like, what's up with this voodoo shit? And then when you're in <laughs> voodoo, you're like, hey, Golgari looks pretty
1: cool. Let's see what that's all about. That makes a lot of sense. Wow. I was wondering why I was so into voodoo. <laughs> yeah, it just starts sneaking up on you. Yeah, it just just a gentle slide into the voodoo community. Thank you, Wizards of the Coast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, Matt didn't have a kid. He's just still sitting there in awe that he's drawn that many lands that yeah, many times in a row. He's actually in psychosis right now. And Poor guy. He'll get out of it someday, if you <laughs> let him, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, dude,
0: what's new? Um, nothing much, man. Uh, magic-wise, still just uh, dicking around with making some commander decks slowly but surely. I have, I've had, like, three decks that I've been slowly piecing together. Uh, I think last time I had talked about the uh, Simic deck that I was building out of cards I already own. So that's coming along well. Uh, there's a green white deck that is the main theme to the keeping it themey with the deck. And it's just about casting creatures. So like cast triggers. Ooh. And, and then there's the mono black deck, which has um, that one dude, whenever you take life, you draw that many cards. Oh, that sounds so good. Is that <sighs> the
1: new guy? he's yeah he was from a couple sets ago maybe uh core core 20 20, yeah i think 20 yeah no yeah core set 2020
0: yeah i haven't even like i put like half the deck together because i already have the cards and like just looking at the cards i'm like this is gross like i don't even know if i want (laughs) to continue to build it because just there's a lot of life gain and there's a lot of paying life um which black is good at paying life for, you know, certain certain effects and so it just it gets gross real fast.
1: Oh, that sounds so good.
0: And yeah, I can't wait to finish it.
1: Feel like that's exactly what I've been up to recently, where just just theory crafting? I'm just like kind of building decks but not really building decks. Right, right. So I don't have a place to play them, so I'm not like committing a ton of energy, like mental or financial energy into actually building these decks. But I have like 5 decks on the back burner right now that I'm just like, "Oh, when I have the opportunity to play these things and I build them, it's game over for you. <laughs> yeah, I I play maybe like twice a month.
0: I go over to my buddy's house. It's like the only social thing I've been doing this past four months. And uh, we'll play Commander or we'll just stick around and he has like a virtual reality set that he got. Uh, my my old co-host, uh, Tay Hot Sauce. Actually, just to throw it out there, we are planning a final episode. We are going to officially bring uh if lands could kill to a close uh with a proper send-off oh man yeah unfortunately it's just it's it's that whole like standard player thing where it's like you just get burnt out and there's just too much going on and you can't keep up with everything and life's happening and and you're just like man I, i can't we feel like we can't put out a decent podcast of our own um with how much we're how much we're playing. Like we can't put out a podcast week to week, you know?
1: Sure. That makes sense.
0: So we're going to do a little send off. And then, uh, there's some other ideas that we're floating around, uh, with one another about like some sort of content creation, not necessarily, um, with magic, but just some other stuff. So, you know, whatever it is, we will announce it on the last episode of if Lands could kill. So, you know, follow us on Twitter at if Lands could kill with one L because the other L Um, got reprinted in in Double Masters. And um, (laughs) so now the price is really low and it pretty much just...
1: Well, you guys know that if you ever need a magic outlet, you have the Fetch and Shock podcast to look to.
0: Oh, absolutely. When you uh, messaged me, I got got really excited because much like yourself, I haven't been doing much playing, but I have uh, been involved in one way or another. I just recently bought a box of Core 21 and it was pretty good to me. You know, it's, I'm still, like, not sure of, like, showcase and foil and all that, and, uh, borderless distribution, you know? Oh, so yeah, all of the fancy cards. Yeah, so when I get a cool card, I'm, like, right on, and then I'm, like, wait, is this even worth money? Like, this could come in every pack. I don't fucking know. Yeah, um, you just have no idea what the
1: frequency of those cards are being distributed.
0: Right, so I got some pretty cool pulls, uh... A Borderless Solemn Simulacrum, a Borderless Ooh. Massacre Worm, and then a Foil Liliana Planeswalker, and
1: some other good ones. But those are the notable pulls out of the box. That's certainly not bad. That Foil Solemn, or that Extended Art Solemn, has to be worth at least something. I think
0: it's like five bucks or under. So I'm actually, Ugh. after this podcast, I'm going to just go... Buy up some uh, some of the staples, you know, from the reprints that came out because the prices are just really low. And Hell speaking yeah. of speaking of the reprints, uh, I bought the box and then I was like, I really want some of the good cards from the set, so <laughs> I'm just gonna buy them outright. And I bought two foil Ugins, uh foil. What's what's the one where you play two lands, Lost But Seeking? Oh yeah, uh, Azusa. Yes, Azusa. And then I bought a foil Grim Tutor because I know you're not a fan of foils, but the foils are like a dollar more than the regular cards. So, if that's a, it, yeah, if that. And so, a person who's into foils, because that the foil is no longer like the top premium. Version of the card because there's such a good point. Yeah, there's the borderless, there's the showcase, there's the comic book or fucking whatever they got going on. The foil is no longer at the top. Oh, shit. So people don't give a fuck about the foils. And so the foils are just regular pack foils are ridiculously cheap. And so it's like, yeah, I'll spend an extra dollar to get the foils. I don't give a shit.
1: Oh man, that's MTG Finance podcast right here. Go <laughs> buy your foils cuz that makes so much sense. Holy yeah. shit. And if it's
0: like a really good foil, like what's that green artifact or enchantment that came out where everything gets like a plus one plus one counter and you draw a card and
1: you can tap it for mana and Oh, the it's the artifact from uh Eldraine. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I'm sure the yeah, listeners Yeah, the cost are... x less for the total power that you have on the battlefield. Right. And, uh, so
0: when, when that came out and kind of towards peak supply, I was like, fuck it. Why not just buy the foil? And then, so that card is like a super staple in commander. And so the price is just like skyrocketed since then. And also because they banned every other fucking good card out of that, out of that set. So, you know, they did,
1: they did do that.
0: (laughs) So like, you know, that, that foil price is pretty up there, but, uh, so, yeah, it's just I still still love the uh, finance aspect. I still listen to two of the MPG finance podcasts uh, every week, and it's just something fun to keep my eye on. Oh, that's
1: that's such a real point that I did not even consider. Is that the different types of cards? Now you just have more options to get value out of the cards that you open or buy cards that you want for a cheaper premium than you would previously when there was only the regular and the foil yeah and you know there's the one side where you open a pack and
0: you see a foil planeswalker and you're like oh my gosh that's got to be worth something and then you look and you're like yeah it's not really worth all that much so that's there's kind of feel bads on that side but on the other side when you go to buy singles something better than just the regular card isn't that much money and you're like oh sweet i can i can get this alternate art or i can get this regular pack foil or i can get the super extended art premium fucking jerk me off one and
1: uh yeah there's there's a lot out there for everybody yeah so like the most premium one like that's for the people who really fucking want that shit and then you could just get the foil one if you're just somebody who just digs foils for a more reasonable price absolutely wow i didn't even consider that because i hate foil so much but for people who aren't me that's awesome it's starting to be
0: like the magic online economy where it's like the foils are just as much as the regular cards because nobody gives a shit about the foils
1: yeah because like a a foil piece of ones and zeros is really not that much more impressive than a non-foil piece of ones and zeros
0: and like when you see somebody in the real world with a foil deck you're like man that's kind of sick but when you see somebody with a foiled out deck on Magic Online, you're like,
1: what a what loser. A fucking loser. <laughs> what
0: a nerd. <laughs> Even though it was probably cheaper than like a non-foil version.
1: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> there's decks where I just have foils because it was the cheaper one. Right. And every time I draw it, I'm like, oh, there's that ugly card that I own on Magic Online and I feel so bad about it. Yeah. And you can like turn
0: the, fo- the foiling off. But it, I've since sold my Magic Online and I don't think I'm going to be buying back in. Arena is just where it's at. That's where they're putting a lot of their effort. And it's not because solely because of how they have set up Arena versus MTGO. Part of it is because I'm just not as competitive of a player. When you're competitive, you don't want fucking Arena. Because oh. that's, you know, like you, the acquisition of cards. You can't get what you want. You gotta you have to grind in order to play Arena. Yeah. And with Magic Online, you can just buy a
1: fucking deck. And then you play, you have the deck and then you play it. Yeah, and there is, like, you do have the ability to play a casual game of Magic on Magic Online. Where, unless you know people, you don't really have that option in on Arena.
0: Right, because even, like, the, uh, what, there's, like, casual rooms or non, non-ladder rooms. Um, yeah. People still bring, you know, some of the heavy
1: decks in there. Yeah, the chances of you playing against, like, a top-tier standard deck in one of those rooms is... The same likelihood if you would go into the ranked rooms at a lower ranking.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, from the podcast I listened to, you know, there's some decks that are just running rampant, and people are sick of them, or at least, I guess, before the bannings. Um, And so people, like, didn't want to play standard on Arena because it was just, like, blah. Yeah, I mean, can you blame them? No, no. And I'm, you know, those... I think all of the bannings uh, that they did recently... Uh, w- without the announcement, I think those were all awesome bands, and it was the perfect time because people aren't people aren't really like heavily invested in buying paper standard, or, or at least as much as they were pre-corona. So now they can kind of tweak with the knobs with less feel bads than they would. If there was like fucking FMs every fucking Friday night or tournaments every couple weeks.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. But also, let's now that we've talked about the bands, let's talk let's actually talk about the bands a little bit. Cause there was huge shakeups to these formats. Notably Standard, they it lost the the top deck in the format, from what I understand. Wilderness Reclamation, Growth Spiral, Teferi Time Raveler, and Cauldron Familiar were all banned out of standard. I don't feel bad about any of them. And not okay, no, I genuinely laughed when I saw Cauldron Familiar because I'm like, okay, this one black uncommon is now in the same like class of cards as Jace the Mind Sculptor, as cards that were banned in standard. I cannot get over how funny that is to me.
0: Yeah, we live in a very different world in multiple aspects. We live in a very different world where in 2020 you have to ban a fucking little kitty cat, a little, you have to ban a one, one for one with like an okay ability. And you know, five years ago, people were saying like the card that was banned in standard is still Jace, the mind sculptor is still too powerful for modern. Like we can't put that back in modern. That was the mindset. Now it's like, we'll just fucking ban anything in standard.
1: Yeah. It's, it's just a free for all. bans are more of like just a safeguard, so they can print busted shit instead of that. They actually have to worry about what they're printing. And then if they ever make a mistake, then they have to ban. Now it's just like fucking floodgates open. And then we always have the ban as a fallback. Yeah. If we're going to look at just the standard bannings, the the two cards that are just, I think, objectively the best cards on these lists is Grossmile and Teferi. Like those are both very real cards.
0: Yeah, Teferi made it not fun to play. That is a control player's wet dream. Oh, absolutely. I'm all for them making a control deck viable and standard. That's fine. We've we've done that. We've been there. Not like that, though. Absolutely not. That is, I don't even like playing the card. Like, I put it in a deck on MTG Arena, and I was like, I don't even like this. I don't like who I've become. No, Teferi's a monster.
1: (laughs) He's just a bad person. Teferi is shitty, dude. And like, I've talked to plenty of people who are just like, oh man, I'm really bummed that Teferi was was banned. I really liked playing that card. I'm like, why, why did you like playing that card? And they're like, oh, because it won me games. I'm like, yeah, because your opponent doesn't get to play Magic once you play that card.
0: Yeah, it's not How How is that
1: ever good for the format? Any format?
0: It is not. It's so bad. Speaking of not good for the format, um, Pioneer, they just destroyed Every single combo deck. And they said, fuck you, we don't want combo in Pioneer. Because they banned Inverter of Truth, which was a fucking weird-ass fucking combo. They banned Kephthys, the Hidden Hand, which, if I remember correctly, it was more of a preemptive ban because they didn't want things to get out of hand. Um, Walking Ballista, because uh, with uh, old... What's-his-name, the god? Heliod. Heliod. And then Underworld Breach, which... I mean, we don't have to explain that one. That one was just a mistake.
1: No, I love these changes to Pioneer too. Like you said, they just said, oh, this format that you that you guys were playing that was just completely fucked. Um, here, let's unfuck it real quick and just took out the three top decks.
0: Yeah, it's back to more of how Pioneer started where it was like a brewer's paradise. Once all these decks got figured out, and every format's going to get figured out sooner or later. But now it, it it has revived it, put some more energy into it. People are like, oh, now that these horrible decks are gone, we can actually put in some effort into trying to figure out and, and brainstorm and
1: um, make
0: some decks that we want to play.
1: Because like even if you were playing one of these three decks, whether you were playing the Inverter Combo deck, the Mono White, heliod walking bliss a deck or the underworld breach deck i think you can still recognize that it is a net positive for the format for it to be more open for new decks to come in and brewers to actually brew in the format and not have to worry about losing on turn three to whatever shenanigans you're doing
0: right and it also depends on like how you view the game and what you value in magic Because you and I and many other people, we rather have a good play experience for the majority of the people. You know, 51% of the people end up, we would like them to be enjoying the game as well as us, regardless of whether we win or lose. Um, So the people who are upset over these bans are people who had the decks, who enjoyed just dream crushing people and going off with their combos. And everybody likes to win. Everyone likes it when their, their deck works the way they want it to work, but they just they don't want that combo-ish style of play in Pioneer. I think that's what they rather have modern for is to kind of have like the combo centric uh
1: format. Yeah, and I a hundred percent agree with that. But even in modern too, like you said, they do have to consider when banning cards, the play experience for modern as a whole which is, I think, a reason why they're, we're never going to see Birthing Pod unbanned and we're never going to see Twin unbanned, because I was uh, through and through a Twin player when that card was in Modern. And Matt, who is probably dead or continuing to draw lands, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> he was a Birthing Pod player through and through. We both know that even though we love those cards, we're never going to see them back because as much as we enjoyed playing them, the vast majority hated those because they were so easy to lose to and so hard to play again
0: right and i think the newer the format the more wizards is going to care about the play experience and the play environment and, oh, 100%. The, and so the the longer we're away from modern you know they're still going to maybe trim a couple leaves here and there but it, they're probably just going to let it let it loose, you know, whereas standard, especially they want to keep it nice and trim and pioneer their new, uh, you know, their new goose egg. Uh, they want to make it fun for everybody.
1: And in modern and legacy and stuff like that, the answers are more broad because the selection you have is more broad. Right. I think they're more likely to be like, uh, ah, you you idiots figure it out. Right. Then. In Pioneer and Standard, where it's such a concealed constraint format, they're like, "Oh, I don't think that anybody's going to figure out a way to how to beat this Inverter deck unless they're comboing earlier," which is exactly what Breach and Ballista were doing.
0: Right. It, it turns into the well, who who can who can combo first?
1: Yeah. It's when when a format gets to a point where nobody cares what their opponents doing, they're just like, "Ah, uh, I'm going to do my thing," and then if you can't do something before I do my thing, you're dead. That's a shit format.
0: Yeah. And also, like, Modern has, like you said, the good answers. Modern has better uh, hand disruption. Modern has better um, control and and taxes. And it has better tools to keep these crazy decks in check. Um, You know, it's the whole any given Sunday. You can go up and play against a fucking 8-rack deck, and that deck doesn't give a shit about what's in your hand. It's going to tear your hand apart. Yeah, just so gonna f- eat your ass. Good luck trying to get pieces of your combo when I'm selecting what's in your hand.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Whereas, um, you know, Pioneer, like you said, doesn't have as many answers. Doesn't have. Um, it doesn't have that broad open feel to it where there's uh, so many good decks. It's more of a rock paper scissors sort of
1: situation, and that gets boring. Oh, it's yeah, not not a good look for a format if they're trying to make it a premier format. In Magic, which I think they're trying to push modern down the ladder and insert pioneer into where modern was. And eventually modern is just going to be in the same corner with legacy and vintage where you're not going to see it very frequently in edge GPs or magic Fests. I mean, you're, you're not going to see them anyway because magic fests are never going to happen again. <laughs> but if they were to ever happen again, you're going to see the less modern ones and more pioneer and more standard ones. Because those formats are just easier to get into. They're easily accessible to Magic at large.
0: Right. And I I haven't really kept up too much with, like, the prices of modern cards. But on a long enough timeline, it's going to turn into uh, the whole legacy problem where it's like a deck is going to cost the
1: same amount as a fucking used car. Oh, yeah. That's definitely a problem with legacy. I love legacy through and through. But if you're going to actually play Legacy, there is a huge barrier to end. I mean, and just this past week, we just saw a staple in a cheap Legacy deck jump like 500 bucks. Wow. Like, Guy's Cradle just went from like $100 to now the cheapest you can find Guy's Cradle is like five dollars $600. That's a uh, pretty spicy meatball. And Elves is not even a great Legacy deck. Like, it's like maybe tier 1.5, tier 2. But now if you want to play that deck, a good, like, 95% of the deck is going to cost you 200 to $300, and then four lands in it is going to cost you at minimum $2,000. Yeah. That that's is. not good. That's not good for the format. No, I'm looking at Modern prices right now,
0: and I think because there's been that attention off of Modern lately, that the majority of the decks are between like 500 hundred and twelve hundred dollars which I mean, that's reasonable yeah that's more you know back back before pioneer it was more like decks were between let's say 800 and 1400 um, yeah, you know that's, the, yeah so you know I I think um, like I said it's a little bit cheaper now but on a long enough timeline um, given that they don't uh, reprint things into the ground um, it's just it players are gonna be priced out of it what I really want is to know what fucking product those fetch lands are in, because they said we're getting, we're getting them this year, and it's getting towards the end of the year. Everyone's guessing, like, it's probably going to be in the Commander uh, set, uh, and there might be, like, another extra product in there somewhere, but I'm curious how they're going to go about it. I mean, it almost has to be in the commander one, right? I can't see them putting them into standard. Oh, I don't think they would ever put them into standard because they specifically don't want them in pioneer because standard, whatever exactly. they will, they will cycle out, you know, eventually. Um, but pioneer, they specifically in the beginning said, we don't want this to be a fetch land format. So it's gotta be in some ancillary product that's not going through
1: the standard pipeline. Uh, yeah, and I, I feel the exact same way. They're never going to put them in New Car, even though people are just like, oh, it's Car, the fetchlands, blah, blah, blah. No, there's no way. Not a chance. Because it would be, it would be a bad look for them to print them into standard and be like, mm, but wait, Pioneer, you know, get your hands off of that. You can't touch that. Right. Which, you know what? I'm all for them having like
0: complete control over that shit. If they want to make, I think I might have said this on the last podcast, if they want to make like kooky shit, and see if it works because that's, you know, with all the unsets, you know, they test certain things in those, the conspiracy, they tested some stuff. And so now we're seeing some of those tests come through standard, like, Hey, we figured out that you guys like this shit. Um, So I don't mind them using standard as a, as a playground for seeing what works. And if they want to do something kooky and then just say, Hey, this isn't going to be legal in pioneer, like right off the bat, I know that would cause such a kerfluffle from all the MTG complainers, um, but I think that's oh yeah, that's I think that would be perfectly
1: fine. Magic Twitter would be a hellscape <laughs> if like, stuff like that started happening, but I'm cool with it because Standard is also that format and that like play area where Wizards has their eyes so closely monitored. So if they're gonna tweak that's the place where they want to do it because that's the place where they are looking at with a really fine eye and it, it, it rotates. It, it, so, so it's not going to be, it's not going to last forever.
0: Where yeah, if, that's you, if you print a mechanic in the standard, it's going to stay in modern forever, you know, and it's going to warp that format like crazy. So if you want to just, you know, ride out the gate and say, Hey, this isn't coming in modern or this isn't coming in pioneer but we're having it in standard like fuck. Yeah. Handle it. Yeah.
1: Why not? I don't see a problem with that. Yeah. And who cares about legacy or commander vintage? Like fuck them. They'll figure it out. Those communities are already figuring it out by themselves. Anyway,
0: wizards doesn't give a shit. I know. I think we've talked about this on previous episodes where who cares what wizard says about commander who gives a fuck. This is a fan run format, fan created format. If your playgroup decides that it's cool for you to run a planeswalker as your commander, any planeswalker, then fucking do it. Yeah, there's you're Gucci. Go for there's, it. There's no reason to try and like convince the rules committee and then force it onto everybody else because not everybody wants planeswalkers as commanders. That Absolutely. seems silly to me. Um, but if you want to do it, you have the freedom. You just take that motherfucking card, bam, right in the sleeve. It's your and- world.
1: Call her a day. Yeah, yeah. Because there's never going to be a commander GP that you have to worry about like having a competitive deck for. That's not going to happen. And if there is,
0: that's the type of commander that I don't even want to hear about. No, you know? I don't even <laughs> want
1: to get close to. Motherfuck <laughs> that.
0: Yeah, I. This is how my play group works. If a deck's too good, we'll take it apart. You know, or we'll purposely like cut its balls off to make
1: sure that it's not uh, unfair to play against. Yeah, exactly. That exact same scenario, if somebody's playing a deck that everybody's just like, oh, this is a miserable bitch to play against, let's say it's like a graveyard recursion deck. The next time we play, everybody at the table that isn't that person is packing at least two or three more ways to deal with a graveyard, and then the second that person does anything, their graveyard's gone. And then they try to do it again, their graveyard's gone. And then they're just like, oh, uh, I'm having no fun, I'm going to do something else.
0: Right, it's a shitty play experience, and like I took Rooftop Storm out of my uh, foil, my shiny zombies, my foiled out uh, zombie deck, because with that card, there's so many infinite combos that I just I did not realize. I just thought, oh cool, yeah, cool, I get to cast zombies for free. That's it. Oh my, there's so many infinite combos that if I just happen to get like a Rooftop Storm and A number of other pieces then the game's over like on the spot or i kill one person on the spot and that's just not
1: that's not how our play group gets down yeah like in a vacuum rooftop storm really cool card love to play in a commander but in practice like rooftop storm plus two other cards is such a miserable thing to have it's not fun for anybody else at the table and when nobody else at the table is having fun but you that's lessening your fun yeah
0: and I take Rooftop Storm out of the deck, and then it's just a uh, tribal deck. Nothing fucking special. Just it's more the theme that I like than the actual power level of the deck. And sure, that's... keep keeping it themey. I'm keeping it themey one hundo. There we go, baby. Keeping it <laughs> themey. And uh, so other
1: bands: uh, Brawl, who cares? Historic, I don't care. And that's it. <laughs> no, yeah, that math checks that out. Uh, Teferu was banned in both. Uh, that's, that's so
0: funny. Teferi, fuck they're fairy. just like, nah, forever. You're fucked Yeah, they just forever. realized,
1: like, okay, you yeah, you scumbags have had your fun. Uh, let's get this fucking guy out of here. Good. Yeah, and then Wilderness Reclamation was banned in, what, Historic? Uh, suspended in Historic. Which, oh, suspend. So, whatever. Who gives a yeah. fuck? It well. Yeah, it's like, a we might bring, bring it ban. back. Wah, wah, wah.
0: Yeah, and also in uh, MTG Arena, uh, don't they
1: give you, like, wild cards for anything that they ban? I believe if you have it in your collection before the ban is announced, they take that away and then give you wild cards.
0: Then there is not a single thing anybody should be complaining about. Absolutely not.
1: Oh, my favorite deck. Well, that's magic. Fucking get another deck. Yeah, I didn't see a motherfucker when, I, when Splinter Twin got banned. Them send me the, the $20 that I spent on Splinter Twins before that. Exactly. It's like I never opened up my mailbox and was just like, oh, look, a check from Wizards of the Coast and (laughs) opened it up and they're just like, here, there's a handwritten letter of, hey, sorry we banned Splinter Twin, dude. Here's your money back. No, it never fucking happened. Hey guys, it's Mark Merrill here and I just wanted (laughs) to say I'm so sorry for banning
0: Splinter Twin and you know what? Here's Here's a crisp, shiny $20 bill and I just want to apologize from the bottom of my heart but make sure to listen to my podcast about the top 10 <laughs> favorite sets from 97.
1: Thanks, guys. <laughs> you should say top 10 favorite sets from 1997. <laughs> 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 yeah, because everybody loved Scourge so much that he, they want to hear him talking about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can we get like vanilla Force for six, please? Yeah, let's get some more of that. Yeah, Everybody fucking loves that shit. Like the cards that you have now that are like six sixes for four with all upside <laughs> yeah take that idea uh but make it a four four for six and then every upkeep you have to pay half your life total and sacrifice three permanent yeah let's that's the magic we're trying to get back to <laughs> hey guys sorry about all the the power creep and standard <laughs> we're gonna go back to four fourth for seven <laughs> everybody has to play with force of nature now <laughs> How do you like playing a hundred green for your magic cards? Yeah. Is this how you remember it? You fucking idiots. <laughs> you just, just mark Rosewater with a gun in his hand. Play that force of nature. <laughs> <laughs> or else. How, this is how Garfield intended it, you dicks. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of how Richard Garfield intended it, I think that if he could go back and build a pack, I think he probably would put two rares in each pack.
0: I I would agree because what's better than one
1: mythic or better than one rare is two. Yeah, no, he's a mathematician. I think he would agree. Uh, two is larger than one.
0: Yeah, and this is uh, approved by four out of five
1: scientists. Yeah, dentists actually approve this.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, Double Masters, man. Um, it's been a while since Double Masters came out. We are a little late to the party, but uh, late is better than ever. Agreed fashionably late the fetch and shock boys don't call it a comeback so i've been looking
0: at some of these cards and it makes sense that some of them are what you would call garbage <laughs> <laughs> because you're getting two rares and or mythics in each pack so yeah you're gonna have stuff like heat shimmer or open the vaults i guess open the vaults is kind of Alright, but Ion Storm or shit like that, you know, where you're like, really? You this card this card's getting a reprint? I guess. And then all the all the MTG complainers are like, I wanted reprints, but not like this. I, I don't agree with that. I think this that is insane. I think this would be very fun just to like crack a box up. Like the EV probably isn't there, but when I think of opening like opening a box just for funsies to like try and pull cards out of. This is like the biggest lottery ticket. Like fuck the VIP boosters or whatever it is. Like this
1: is what I want to see. And well, here's the thing too with that. And I a hundred percent agree with you in that world where you're cracking boosters to get that feeling of, Oh, I opened up the thing that I wanted. Like I can remember the moment where I opened up a pack of like eternal masters and opened up a force of will. And I was like, Oh, I just opened up one of the most expensive cards in the set. I feel like a actual god. In this yeah. set, you get twice the chance of that happening. And there's just a
0: shitload of reprints, like Path to Exile, is that uncommon? The Mythics are out of
1: control. Yeah, just even in the Mythic category, you get seven cards that are they're over $50 at very least. Like, it's been, what, forever since Mano
0: Echo... Mana, Echo's got a reprint. Doubling season has needed to come down. Jace the Mind Sculptor, no matter how many times they reprint it, and regardless of whether it's good in a format, it's still going to be worth something because of the the, Ooh, yeah. the like price memory and everyone just the memory of it being an expensive card. Avacyn, Angel of
1: Hope. Uh, like the swords. All of the original swords are in this. In most of the original swords, all of the original swords are above $15. And most of them are above $20. Yeah.
0: in Archangel of Thune, like, have you seen that price recently? Like, where's that even played? It has to be Commander, right? Like, that I, has to be where it's coming from. I think that's strictly Commander. I don't remember. I think there might have been, like, one modern deck that I've ever seen it in. It's probably, like, a
1: fucking combo deck. The Spike Feeder deck, I think, was playing that. Like, it was a combo deck with Spike Feeder and Archangel. Right, right. That was a deck that existed. But, like, even if you open up an Archangel as your Mythic, you're like, oh, I spent, what, like, 10 to 15 bucks on a pack of this? If you open up, like, a good 80% of the Mythics, you just, you made your money back. Yeah. Doesn't even matter what your other rare was. And Cyclonic
0: Rift has gone out of fucking control. I sold a bunch because they were, like, 40 bucks a
1: piece. Yeah, they're nuts. I have a foil one just sitting there. And I just, I found it the other day and I'm like, why do I have this foil Cyclonic Rift? I must have opened it up back when like Return to Ravnica came out and just never got rid of it. And it's just sitting there and I'm like, I I hate foils. Why am I looking at this foil expensive card? And then I'd never done anything about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, before this reprint, I think the foils uh, were like around 80 bucks or something like that. Yeah. And that's what I get for not getting rid of it. Yeah. I mean, we've all been there and you know there's some other cards that aren't super expensive but they just needed a good reprint and it's okay cuz the thing with reprints is once a card gets past a certain dollar amount you know let's let's call it like 20 or 25 then it's it's that much harder to reprint it in a set because they need to be mindful of the the entire value of the set and they need to keep sure. it even so once a card goes past a certain amount, then it's that much harder to reprint. So they're taking all these, what, $10, $15 cards and reprinting them. So the price comes down to, I don't know, five, six, seven bucks. Yeah. So that way it's that much easier to reprint. They're staying on top of it. Where something like remember Phyrexian Tower or something was just out of control before they reprinted it. And you know now it's, I guess, somewhat manageable. I don't really have the price in front of me. Remember way back in the day. Remember when Theros, it was like, oh my God, they reprinted Thoughtseize. <laughs> oh, wow. What, how spoiled we are to have such a good reprint. And then however many years later, they're just flooding us with reprints. And that's fucking
1: okay. And I actually have a funny story about that moment in Magic when, Thoughts, or when Theros came out. The Theros pre-release, the top prizes were just a table of goodies. And the two best prizes were a full box of Theros and a foil Lorrowin Thoughtseis. <laughs> and I ended up winning that pre-release. Nice. So it was obviously like between the Lorrowin Thoughtsies and the box of Theros. I'm like, well, I mean, I just want more cards. I played standard at the time, so I was like, I need some of the cards for standard. Let's let's take this box. And people were gobsmacked that I took the box of sealed theros over top of the lorwyn thoughtsies <laughs> foil lorwyn thought there was like why would you ever do that you're a moron like that's that's insane this card is just so expensive versus this box of cards that you don't know what's in it. and i'm like listen boys i know what i'm getting into took that box set it down on the table ripped it open first pack i picked out of that box in the middle of that store opened it up foil theros autsie <laughs> and i have never been so validated in a decision Ever in my entire life. And everybody was just like, what? How does he do it? And I'm like, this is what you get. When you're as smart as I am, this is your reward. It's just validated every single gut reaction you've ever had. You're like, well, it worked out that one time. Yep. <laughs> and then every single thing after that has just led me to nothing but destruction and sunder. But that I just keep remembering that one time that I took that box of Theros over top of that foil one sees Remember that one time? six years ago (laughs) all right well if you could pick i don't know like three cards out of double masters that you're the most excited about as far as reprints go and just like playability what are your picks
0: uh first one is doubling suit i've wanted that card for my tokens deck for a long time um unfortunately because of the covid and people aren't playing and yada yada like this and i think a lot of the um boxes They've only done, like, a half of the initial wave that they wanted to do of releasing the product or something like that. Yeah, something like that. And so, like, the price hasn't come down a whole bunch or as much as I've wanted it to, but it has come down some. But Doubling Season, amazing card. I need it. I need it. I need it. Um, And then, I mean, there's a bunch of, like, good reprints, but nothing that I have, like, had my eyes set on for a long time. You know, there's, I mean, Force of Will, that's, I don't care if I'm ever going to play in a deck, it'd be fucking cool to, cool to have one, cool to it's open just to one. own a
1: Force of Will, yeah.
0: Pretty much anything I can throw in a, uh, anything I can throw in a Commander deck, you know? I mean, I wouldn't mind uh, Archangel of Thune just because I need it for a deck, or Avengers Zendikar because that goes in every fucking
1: green deck ever. Yeah, what about you? As far as things that I'm excited about, I agree with you, Doubling Season. I love that. I actually just... I traded Matt a doubling season for some money that I owed him before Double, double Masters came out. And so, like, that feels bad. But also, I'm happy to see a doubling season reprint. Right. Because that card just always needs it. Um, I'm also excited that they... Maybe not necessarily in a, the reprint category, but the fact that they printed another art for Blood Moon...
2: Okay, means yeah, yeah.
1: Now you can play a deck with four Blood Moons in it and have four different arts. And any player who's
0: playing Blood Moon, I assume, would gain satisfaction out of the point that all his Blood Moons are mismatched? Oh, yeah, 100%. And that's the only reason. Yeah, and so they, they get to just troll other people as they're turning their non-basics into mountains.
1: Yeah, I, I, before this point, I played decks with multiple Blood Moons in it, and each of my Blood Moons were different printings, and that was enough to get my dick stiff. But now, I can have different arts? Are you kidding me? That is a Blood Moon player's wet dream right there. That's a home run. And then my last one, I'm excited to see that they reprinted all of the swords. And they also printed the swords in the same set that they reprinted Stoneforge Mystic, which, I mean... If I ever get to live that dream of playing limited and getting Stoneforge Mystic and a sword, like, ugh, I might cry. That's that's what dreams are made of. I'm either going to cry or come. There's there's no other option. Why not both? Cry while I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh! Actually, you know
0: what? I take that back. I am excited that Ensnaring Bridge is getting a reprint. I forgot that that was in the set. There you go. That's a good one. Everybody has always told me that I should put Ensnaring Bridge in my eight-rack deck, and it's just always been too expensive for me to consider. So I'm looking forward to getting that.
1: Well, now, sir, you have that option. Indeed, at a nice, cool twenty dollars too. You take that all day. Oh, fuck yeah! I was like fifty bucks before. Well, and to end on this conversation for Double Masters, me and Matt, I you were on the cast when we did this too. I think we were talking about, of course, at 2021. We are get we give ratings to the sets when they are released, one through ten. What do you think Double Masters gets on a one through ten rating scale?
0: Um. Well, lottery prints. It's is isn't it like one hundred percent reprints? <laughs> yeah, all a
1: hundred percent reprint.
0: Um. There's some deeply needed cards. Uh. There's little corner cases like with the Blood Moon, the new art. And I think uh, Basalt Monolith is the first foil printing. Ooh and yeah. So I give it like. So the, I think the price is the only thing that's going to go against it, in my mind, which it's pro- the box of this is probably going to be expensive. Um, but I would give it like a like a solid
1: 8, 8 or 9. Mm-hmm. And I think for all of the reasons you just stated, like the reprints are out of this world on this set. And, it, and for a limited format too, like drafting this set, that's another thing that we didn't even touch on. When you draft this set, your first pack... You get to take two cards. That is nice. Yeah. So if you open two disgusting rares, you get to take both of them. Or if you open one expensive rare and then there's another card in the set, that's just like, oh, well, this is guaranteed to make my deck. It's such a good card. You get to do that as well. That paired with the fact that all of these cards are so good that the set looks incredible for limited. This set looks awesome to me. The barrier, like you said, is the fact that the boxes are $300. Ooh. But if you can just like sit down and play a draft online or play a draft at uh, LGS and not have to buy an entire box, that mitigates it a bit. I'm going with a solid like eight and a half on this one. I like this set.
0: Yeah, I think they knocked it out of the park. Now, I'm uh, happy. It might be different once I get my hands on it. Uh, you know, it might be a horrible foiling process or maybe limited isn't fun or I don't know. But just from how I'm seeing it now, it's fucking. I'm right there with you. Eight and a half.
1: Well, dude that covers all of the magic stuff that we are supposed to talk about that fills our, uh, our quota. As far as magic is concerned, there is some other not so magic stuff (laughs) though that I wanted to talk about on this episode. Absolutely. And so if, if you're here for just magic, uh, one, I'm sorry. Uh, cause this podcast is hardly ever about (laughs) magic, the gathering on a grand scheme.
0: Yeah. If you're here for magic, you're doing it wrong.
1: Uh, and then two, uh, if you're here for just magic you go ahead turn it off or just fast forward um actually the top five is not about magic the game might be a mad magic i don't know it, just actually just fucking turn it off it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah you know what let's just stop recording it, yeah it, it, we're done good. here so far <laughs> no dude i wanted to talk a little bit about something that you and i hold dearly outside of the game of magic the gathering pussy yes actually this is the fashion Shop <laughs> <Pussy> <laughs> podcast <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to edit out the entire first half of this episode and then we're going to talk about the rest of the time. Oh, man, that made me laugh. No, dude, I want to talk a little bit about music. I love me some. I'm a big, big fan. And you and I both have a little bit in common as far as music is concerned. We're both big nerds as far as magic is concerned. But outside of magic, you and I are both very into a certain genre of music.
0: Right, right. And... I love how you guys do the radio switching in the beginning. And I'm, I find it very interesting. The eclectic uh, types of music that are included and like what particular section, what snippet was included.
1: Oh yeah. I take a lot of pride in that mostly because I think my brain is broken. So like I focus a lot on that probably more than I should. And that was the moment that I knew I was like, Oh yeah, Corey, he's 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 the kind of guy that I like. I think it was, I used a Misfits song like on episode 30-something. I think I used Where Eagles Dare and you messaged me on Twitter five minutes after <laughs> I posted that podcast and you were like, wait, was that the Misfits? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, absolutely it was, yeah. And I think there was another
0: episode where you used uh, Dillinger's escape plan and I was like, "Dude, nice fucking song." You
1: did the exact same thing. I was like, "Yes! How did you?" <laughs> From a one-second portion of the song, you knew immediately, and you were like, "Oh, yeah, this is the thing." And I was like, "Oh, fucking Christ, you got it! Fuck yeah!" I would, I, if I was you,
0: I would get very excited every week just to like choose the three songs that
1: would be included in the beginning. Honestly, that's the only reason why I'm we're still doing the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> just I for need that, something to keep me going. Yeah, just that through. little bit of serotonin to get you going. Yeah, that that ten minutes that I spend picking the songs, that's what keeps me going for an entire week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that checks out. I I'm right there with you. So Corey, I I know that also as outside of listening to music, you also play music. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, I'm in a kind of '80s style punk band um think, like, early 80s, hardcore, kind of, like, minor threat-ish type of stuff with two other dudes. Man, we've been playing on and off since, like, 2011, and uh, we just do it to have fun. It's two other people who are, like, uh, clean and sober, because that's kind of a, an important one, especially for me in the music scene is, uh, you know, generally filled with lots of uh, drugs and substances. Um, so it's cool that I can do that same enjoy the things that I like, uh, without the use of those, uh, those great, great drugs. And, uh, yeah, we have fun and we're not doing it to like get famous or make it big. We just like, we usually play benefit shows for, uh, different like causes. There was a benefit show. (laughs) This makes me laugh every time I think about it. There was a benefit show, um, for this program. Uh, I forget the name and I probably shouldn't mention it anyways, but they help like uh mothers or women get get clean and sober and if CPS was involved they help them like get their children back and get their lives together you know it's a really oh, that's fucking awesome yeah it's a really good cause uh, a lot of the people in the 12 step community uh are very supportive of it and so um there was an idea that uh they should put on like a sh- a benefit show and a bunch of metal and punk bands play and so we ended up covering uh the misfit song uh, last caress, which talks about raping women and killing babies. And uh, they haven't asked us back, uh, but <laughs> anyways, we, we helped, we did good stuff. So, so it went over well. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and are you just a casual guitar player? Have you
1: ever been part of like a band or some sort of production? So as far as my guitar playing goes, I'm relatively amateur, but when I was in college, uh, I did kind of I hung around the crowd that like was going to shows and was making music. I played a couple shows in like basements and stuff during my college time with a couple of buddies. We never wrote any of our own material, played like covers of songs that we thought people would want. And then in like the middle of the set, we would throw in like a like a like a minor threat or a black flag song. Fuck yeah. And everybody would be like, uh, what is this? And we'd be like, oh, yeah, no, back. No. And now here's Wonderwall. <laughs> <laughs> One of those deals. Uh, but I've never done anything serious with guitar playing. Like I played a couple open mics like for the college, like just by myself. But that is the most out there thing I've ever done with my guitar playing. Usually it's just me in my bedroom or messing around and playing with like pedals and just making obnoxious sounds and annoying people. It's the best. Oh, yeah. That's what it's
0: all about. And then you learn, like, 10 seconds of an intro to a song that people know. And then you don't learn the rest of the song. And then you're like, I'm just going to play this for the rest of my life. Like, hey,
1: yeah, this is Crazy Train. And you only know the beginning part. Yeah. Yeah, I can't even tell you how many times I've played the very beginning of, like, an ACDC song. And then people were just like, oh, yeah, he knows the thing. And I'm like, oh, yep, I definitely do. We're done here. (laughs) Never have to worry about it again. I'm And my... My work is done. I know the first, like, 15 seconds of Free Bird. <laughs> and that's the only thing that I ever need to know about that song. Because every time somebody else plays Free Bird, I'm just like, oh, I got this. <laughs>
0: yeah. And then that's the, that's the only amount of time that you're allowed to play it, is 15 seconds before people start throwing beer bottles at you. Because there's no Free Bird, dude. No bird. No, absolutely no Free Bird. <laughs> Bolt the bird.
1: Oh, I like, <laughs> see, now we brought it back to Magic. Woo! Like, is there anything about like being in a band or playing an instrument that you can relate to magic at all?
0: Absolutely. I think the artistic expression of building a commander deck, um, picking one concept, like I, like I mentioned before, just the, the, the triggers from casting creatures and then like going with that and watching that deck kind of grow and turn into its own thing from just this simple concept is very much like writing a song. Like when I bring a song that I've written to the band, like it never turns out the way I initially brought it because, you know, they add stuff, they, Hey, what about this? And then it kind of grows into its own thing. And it's really exciting to, to see that
1: final product and be like, wow, this is fucking rad. Oh, that's such a, and that's one thing that I have kind of, I've identified as well where it's when I'm sitting and I'm playing guitar and I'm just like noodling around or like figuring something out. I get, I do get that same feeling of when I'm like brewing a new deck or figuring out a new new idea in Magic with cards. It's it's that like creative process.
0: Yeah, it's it's the same thing when you're making finding those three songs and what what that little section of one of the songs like it's that creative expression and it's it's triggering that same area of the brain that is that makes it gratifying to it
1: And I feel like that is an overarching thing, at least with people that I know in the magic community that are also involved in some sort of form of I guess the arts if you want to sound like an asshole about it. (laughs) Uh, But (laughs) that's that's very generous calling what I do punk music (laughs) the arts, yeah. I mean if as far as like 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 power chords are like the Jackson Pollock of the arts <laughs> as far as music is concerned. Like we're just throwing shit at, it, at something and just hoping it sticks. Yeah. Yeah. There's no precision at all. No, 0%. We're just fucking just punching something. And then maybe so- sound comes out. Yeah. It's more about
0: how we do it than what we actually do.
1: hundred <laughs> percent. Um, But perfect example of that is Sam from Ristic Study. Right. He is like a very, very talented guitar player. Where, but he plays like like math rock shit.
0: Oh my god! I wish me fucking too, dude, dude. I fucking wish I could. I'm I'm not, I'm in the exact same ballpark as you. Where it's like I know enough to like make it sound like I know how to play. But Mm -hmm. like, I don't know what the fucking circle of fifths is. Like, I don't. I thought that was when you sat around with your friends and drank liquor. You know. Like, this
1: is a G chord. (laughs) Get the (laughs) fuck out of my
0: face. I still have to like count out the fucking strings. Like, uh, eating a dog gets big erection. That's.
1: Oh, see, that's your that's your little mnemonic for it. (laughs) Yep. And then I have to
0: like go up every fret and go like E.
1: Okay, so this is a G. That's one thousand percent mine's. Eddie ate dynamite. Goodbye, Eddie. <laughs> That's, that one's mine. <laughs> yeah, so we're both the exact same person. Yeah. <laughs> it
0: turns out. So mathcore is just beyond me. It's a for those who don't know, it's a a very um, technical and progressive style of like the metal hardcore scene, and it is it's it's a lot. It's a, it's the same as like um, people who study like music theory and who are very good at playing classical guitar, it's just the heavier side of all of that.
1: Yeah, It's nerds. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like Rizik said, he's so good at guitar that he gets to play all that stuff and he has the talent to do it, which like fucking good on him, I guess. Fuck but yeah. when like I've like talked to him or seen some of his deck lists, like especially in Commander, you can still see that like really hyper focused like mindset. Where he goes into something and he's just thinking about it on just like a very different, very weird, but also very specific level where it's not like a competitive deck. It's not something that he's pulling off of the Internet. He is just going, finding cards and just piecing it together in a way that makes sense to his brain, which is just the way that you and I are approaching both the deck building process and the music process.
0: Right, where his his mind is probably a lot more analytical and math based, and ours are a little
1: bit more themy. Yeah, <laughs> themy is the kindest way that you could have put that. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say Neanderthal, just like just put rock on rock, see what rock does. <laughs> but yeah, themy is a way that you could say it. But this leads into something. I wanted to, you and I to sit down and settle for good. I know people have talked about this on on Twitter a couple times, but nobody with the credentials that Corey and I have have ever actually planted the flag and said, "We're no, we're done. This is, this is the conversation's over.
0: We are going to end this now. I'm sick of seeing people talk about it because one, they're stupid and wrong. And two, uh, uh,
1: I'm, they're not yeah, us. Fuck, fuck you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're not us and they're wrong. So we're here to set the record straight. Yeah, we are going to officially give every guild a genre of music. So excited. And they're never allowed to break from this pattern that we're giving them. They have to be pigeonholed into this exact genre. Anybody who says otherwise is wrong and are dead to me. Absolutely. Now, Corey, I know that you specifically curated a list for this. I took this very serious. (laughs) I I took this very seriously, but (laughs) I... I didn't make a list and that might come back to bite me uh, because I have been drinking. <laughs> uh, that just makes it better. All the better for me. You're right. This is just, this is my just natural crooked brain in action right now. So Corey, where do you want to start? What is the first guild that we need to tackle with this? I just so happen to have a list right here in front of me. Oh, convenient. It,
0: yes. yes. So um, I think we're going to go, this is not alphabetical order, but I think we're going to start with uh, Azorius, the Azorius Senate. Okay, so Azorius, this is the blue-white guild. Right. I tried to think of, like, what each guild represents and how they interact with the other guilds in Ravnica. And so Azorius are all about, like, law-abiding. They're kind of um, not better than, but they just they carry themselves with a lot of esteem.
1: And yeah, they they have their nose in the air a little bit, from what I have surmised from the Azorius game. Exactly, exactly. So my
0: guess uh, to what they would be is I'm not sure. You probably know. Listeners might not. Is I think they're prog rock, which oh is, my god! So they're Tool. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're um <laughs> even even worse than Tool because you know uh, there's like some really it's, it's like math core, like we spoke about earlier, but a lot less like hardcore and it's more just about showing off almost yeah, like they're like, how, the, like
1: the hyper tech metal guys. Right. So it's uh, progressive rock for anybody yes. out
0: there. And it's, uh, there's just a lot of, a lot of, uh, math and esteem that come from that genre.
1: I am in the same exact category with you where Azorius there are there are no lyrics to the songs, right? Absolutely Now There's not a single word in the song. All of the the titles of the tracks from the albums are like Einstein quotes <laughs> or like just some fancy quote from history. And it's just from the beginning to the end of the song, just some guy noodling. And then there's a pause for the weird, fancy drum fills. And then the bassist has a, has a time to do like guitar, but lower that deal and then the song eventually ends and then goes into the next one where it's the exact same thing but at a different time signature (laughs) yeah fucking time signature yeah this this one's in 317 (laughs) i
0: can (laughs) i can barely do four four for crying out loud no four four is where i stop, dude
1: (laughs) i'm done (laughs) just just give me give me the chords and then just i'll kind of play them exactly no these guys are uh, they they are the overachievers where they they know they know that what they're doing but they think that because they know what they're doing that it's they're better than everybody else
0: exactly exactly
1: they're just they're too
0: educated and they see themselves as higher than
1: yeah so they are the they're the prog guys exactly so if you like prog rock uh i'm sorry that you're azorius i guess
0: yeah stupid control players (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly control players <laughs> too but like while my Teferi the time raveler says that you can't do that <laughs> <laughs> well did you remember your
0: triggers and what <laughs> so i'm glad i'm glad i'm glad we agree was that kind of the same uh area you were going yeah we had yeah, the same consensus with that one awesome now next we have house demir and i kind of um this is my original guild Um, I've, I, I say I'm more of a Golgari player now, but, uh, house Demir, I was going back and forth with a couple of them. Um, but I would like to hear,
1: uh, what you might think that they are. Oh no. Demir is the cure. Okay. I, it's not even, it's not even an entire genre. Demir is just the cure. So I put, I put goth as mine. Oh, so we're, yeah. So we're the exact same page.
0: Yeah. And I hate I hate The Cure. <laughs> Absolutely can't stand, um, what's that other, all, all just that like whiny, it's like goth, but like whiny goth.
1: Oh, it's like My Chemical Romance. Uh, not even, like My not Chemical even
0: Romance is like better than that. I'm talking about like the
1: shit from like the 80s. Oh, you know? okay. So you're talking about like the early, like precursor to all of like the emo stuff that came out early 2000s.
0: Right. There was a lot of um a lot of hair in the eyes. Um, there there's a lot of mascara. black clothing, mascara, but not like cool like it is today. It was still like dark and not mainstream back then.
1: Yeah, the bands that I am like really, really pigeonholing into Demir. Like I said, the cure I guess like Joy Division, like and the Smiths.
0: Okay, thank you. I was thinking of the Smiths. Okay. I, Okay, the cures, whatever. I fucking hate the Smiths. Oh, what was no! That fu- I love the Smiths. <laughs> what's, what's that fucking... God, I can't think of that motherfucker's name. The, uh, the Smiths? Yeah, what's his name? was it Morrissey in the Smiths? Yeah, Morrissey. Uh, of all the people that... I'm sure he's a nice guy. But I fucking hate Morrissey. <laughs> I've tried on numerous occasions to get into Morrissey, and it's just
1: such garbage. So, we we'll, so Morrissey is the, Demi- he's Lazav. He is yeah. the of Demir. <laughs> Morrissey is Lazav for sure. Okay. Now I need, I need to make a Lazav commander deck, but with the altar of Lazav being just a photo of Morrissey, just a random photo of him. Oh God.
0: Yeah. I think once again on the same page, man.
1: No, I'm glad to see our brains, even though they're they're not all there, are still working on the same wavelength. We did
0: not talk about this before the cast at not all, not
1: once. <laughs> but our <are, laughs> our cogs are
0: somehow turning at the same speed. Uh, we're on the same wavelength, man. Fucking Morrissey, oh, god damn it! Fuck, fuck Morrissey. <laughs> uh, I feel so bad uh, saying that he's Demir because I have so much love for Demir, but so much hate for Morrissey. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, you can still be a little bit demure, but also hate Morrissey. I heard also, I think Morrissey's like a scumbag.
0: I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. That 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 checks out Allegedly. in my mind. Allegedly. Yeah, okay, so next we got Cult of Rakdos.
1: Oh, see, Rakdos was one that I was having trouble with.
0: Now, there's a couple different ways could have gone with Rakdos, but I think they all fit like within the same overarching genre.
1: Okay. So I just classified it as metal. That's fair. See, I went a little bit finer into that where I think they're all they're either. I settled on they're either like a thrash metal or they're like a weird kind of like doomy sludge deal. Okay, okay. okay. But I'm leaning more towards just like that very fast, like blasted beats. Like I the closest thing that people are going to know is like Metallica. I mean, for our uncultured listeners, uh, sure, sure. Um,
0: yeah, I, I'm kind of on that same wavelength where it's like thrash. Uh, there's that whole like metal core scene out there now where there's, uh, like you said, a lot of blast beats, uh, bands like, uh, at the gates or fear my thoughts.
1: Oh, see, that's a, that's a good way to take it too. I like yeah, that.
0: And they're like in a specific genre of metal. The, uh, was it melodic hardcore? I think they call it or like death metal metal core. Yeah, yeah. There's. uh, That's the one thing I hate about metal. Is there's so many subgenres that like just go to Wikipedia and look look up. This is what I used to do when I got high. I would get high <laughs> and I would go look up all the subgenres of metal, and then I would go like in depth into every single one and go like, listen to like five bands from every single one. And that's how I know about all this obscure shit is just, yeah, that's, that's your that, breath of that. that yeah, genre. That was, that was my Friday night. I was like, let's fucking do this wiki. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just you and Wikipedia just going in the old Wikipedia, YouTube rabbit hole. Oh, we've all been there. Okay. So next on our list, um, is the gruel clan. See gruel was a tough one for me too. I feel like all of the red pairings, except for uh, maybe two, I was having a difficult time with. I had a
0: little bit of a difficult time just to kind of narrow down. I had the I had the general idea um, and this is gonna be kind of a broad one when I say it, but y- you'll understand is um, radio rock. Oh, this is where you took gruel. This is where I took gruel, and this includes anything from like Sabbath to uh, Pink Floyd to System of a Down. Anything that they just play over and over and over again on the radio doesn't like you, matter. Doesn't matter what station, if there's any sort of rock element to it,
1: that's what gruel is. Yeah, you go to your local rock station. That is what Gruul is going to be on.
0: Yeah, they're playing ACDC. They're playing some Joan Jett. They're playing uh, Leonard Skinner. They're they're
1: just there for the hits. But I don't, yeah, I don't hate that comparison. Because, like, the red does give you that very... I think that was my problem with putting red into categories, where everything with red just seemed like it was going to be a little bit heavier.
0: Right, yeah, and it, it does, there are certain aspects of the radio rock that can be on the heavier side, you know, but then there's also like,
1: uh, uh, some George Thurgood in there. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the gruel. That's like the green part of gruel.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it gets a little heavier with the red, some, uh, rage against the machine. uh, a little bit of a system of a down, but you you get to
1: get that homegrown, like, that American rock thing with right. it's, n-
0: it's nothing that they're not going to play in like a grocery store, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I don't know how much they're playing George Thurgood in grocery stores, but like probably not much. I was it's, thinking it's something like, that's going to be on the radio, like arena rock. Y- it, there you go. There you go. Yeah, Absolutely. If it's
1: something that you're going to see at like your hometown's hockey rink, your football stadium or something like that. Like those, these bands who are in growl, are selling out those places and you're going to spend like 150 bucks on like a nosebleed scene. Yeah,
0: Yeah. like you go to your state fair and then there's going to be a cover band playing and whatever music they're playing, that's
1: gruel. Yeah, the original version of those covers, that's the gruel. (laughs) Well, what are those cover bands then? Are they like, like mono green or mono red? They splash, they splash a little bit. Ah, OK, so it's like it's like the mono red deck, but like two sideboard cards are green. So they have to play Stomping Grounds. Exactly. OK, cool. <laughs> and now that we figured out all cover bands, too. <laughs> so uh, next we have Selesnya Conclave. Oh, see, this one I I had to pick between two. Selesnya is either like jam bands or like crust punks. Would you like to know what my answer is? It has to be Jam Bands, right? It's Jam Bands, baby. Yes! (laughs) Jam Bands was my initial one, too. Selesnya is a thousand percent a Jam Band.
0: It's Grateful Dead. It's Fish. It's any fucking, like, fucking dirty hippie festival from the 90s music.
1: Like, Selesnya, you can't see 20 feet in front of your face because there's just a cloud of weed smoke.
0: Absolutely. There's long hair everywhere.
1: Yeah. You, 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 the smell is something that you can't quite put your finger on. And you also don't know whether you like it or you don't like it. Yeah. You're not sure if you're at like a Lilith fair or like a free Tibet
0: concert. You're not really sure, but uh, you, you definitely um, you're definitely in a higher plane of existence.
1: Yeah. There's like people selling mushrooms, but you can't see a single pizza in sight. So you're like, (laughs) I don't understand. (laughs)
0: I'm so glad. So glad we're on the same page for that one.
1: Yeah, no, Celestia was 100%. That one I feel like that one was a softball. That was an easy one.
0: <laughs> okay, so next we have Orzov Syndicate. Now, what? I I'm really torn. I I am <laughs> I'm 50/50 on this one and I need you to help me decide. But first, please let me know yours.
1: Okay, here's the thing with mine. I had a hard time picking who got like the goth cure version, whether it was Demir or Orzov. In all of those like the cure depeche mode like bands like that, they felt more Demir to me. So then de facto <laughs> Orzov was Christian rock to me. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. They uh Orzov um If I remember correctly, the backstory is like uh they're bankers and kind of the uh, they almost like the mafia but not like so I don't think they get their hands dirty all that much but they do have like the assassin element yeah Um, and like
1: they also feel like at least to me with their existence on Ravnica they have that big like church of Orzhov where the spirits are a big thing ooh yeah with like the ghost council that's where I got the Christian rock from I also think that outside of the Christian rock, they do have like a bit of an emo phase going on. Okay, okay.
0: Well, so my my split was um, Screamo, which okay. includes bands such as uh, A Day to Remember, My Chemical Romance, Hawthorne Heights, all, oh. all all those ones.
1: You just struck such a chord with Hawthorne Heights too. Like
0: that <laughs> is such an Orzov band. It's sickening. <laughs> Taking Back Sunday, Bullet For My Valentine. Yeah. Yes! Um, so th- that's that's the fifty percent. The other percent is gangster rap. Ooh! So I leaned a little bit more into the um, their their organized crime element. um oh. which, which much more resonated with uh, just the badassness of like the '90s gangster rap. I'm not talking about Lil Wayne. Fuck Lil Wayne. Um, <laughs> the only thing he was good in was Cash Money Millionaires and. Fuck everything else. Um uh, yes. But like yeah, that 90s fucking West Coast, East Coast. Fucking yes. Oh, my late, God. Late 80s fucking L-, L Cool J fucking Tupac, Biggie, Ice-T, all that shit.
1: Now all I want to do is just put every member of 3-6 Mafia into a guild. <laughs> 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 Fuck. Oh, that's going to be have that – we're going to have to have you back for another episode where we just do – That, (laughs) because there's like fourteen motherfuckers in Three Six Mafia, (laughs) and then after that we could do fucking like Wu Tang. Yeah, we'll do Wu Tang. Yep, that's perfect.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I was torn between those two. I couldn't pull the trigger on either one. Um. So yeah.
1: Oh, that's such a good one. So we were both there on like the emo screamo thing, but and but and then all of the all of the gangster rappers and all of the Christian rock people are like the they're like the far separate edges right. of the Orzov. They both wear crosses
0: around their neck, but
1: probably shit.
0: for probably I for I ex- believe that. <laughs> yeah, one of them,
1: well, one of them has a Jesus piece on and then one of them has a crucifix on and that's yeah. those are two different things. <laughs> but they're still the same guild. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Ab- that's incredible. That, that was spot on. So yeah, I think I think we got there. Christian yep. Rock Slash gangster rap, just two sides, two different sides of the same coin.
1: Yeah, they're no, they're the same thing. It's the, it's the same side, <laughs> same coin.
0: <laughs> All right. This one was really easy for me because they were such a prevalent force
1: in the original Ravnica books. Uh The Golgari Swarm. Oh, see this one. I this was the very first one that I thought of. And these are another like subgenre of metal to me. Okay, it, okay. but it It's the stoner metal. Like, it's the sleep. Uh, The the doom ripper. Yeah, like, the very, like, slow stoner, like, doom metal. Yeah, high on fire. High on fire, exactly. Yep, you nailed it.
0: Fuck, what was that one band? Me and Hot Sauce saw. Uh, fuck. Red Fang. Oh, see, that falls in.
1: See, I saw Sleep once live. Man, I'm jealous. And it was the loudest experience of my entire life. Absolutely. Like, I, like you felt like you were being physically pushed every time he hit a chord, which was like every four and a half minutes. <laughs> so, but it was so cool. God, sleep is so sick. I fucking, I wore their shirt like two days ago. It's fucking a great band. Yeah, but yeah, Golgari is sleep in my mind. They are like the stoner doom metal. Okay, okay, I like that. Um, I went
0: with the, uh, more of the gutter punk, the crust punks. Oh, yeah. Um, the the nausea, the leftover crack, the casualties. Um, okay. Just, I can get behind that. Like, they definitely have, I don't know if you remember this, I don't really see too many people with this on before, but, like, the loincloth patch that went across your butt. Yes. Like, they definitely have that going on and all have mohawks, and they all drink PBR. And they yeah, haven't punks, they haven't
1: washed in a while. Yeah, punks minus showers. Yeah. <laughs> is Golgari. That's that's the equation. Absolutely. Oh, that makes so much sense. So that yeah, that was my definitely first thought. So that was one of the first ones that we had like a pretty strong deviation on.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was. It was. I mean, those two genres, the the attitude in them is really similar where it's like you look at the person in, in either of those styles of music and they look dirty just by looking at them.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. They look like they are just filthy. Like the, the gutter
0: punks have a lot more like spikes on their jackets and the stoner rock. They have more like the grunge looking vibe to them with long unwashed hair, uh-huh. uh, some flannel. And they just, they both look like they uh, need a hug in a shower. Yeah, emphasis on the shower part. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so this one was the last one I came up with, and I'm not sure if it works, but uh, Simic Combine. Simic, I had a tough time with. I went kind of left field
1: with it. Okay, when where it, did you go with this one?
0: I went in jazz. Ooh! Because Simic is about um, creating things, uh, mutations, not following a strict adherence to to a, a, a written pattern just kind of going with the flow of the evolution of nature and maybe, uh, having some mad made tweaks along the way. And if you ever listen to like jazz, like they love just fucking going on a fucking solo for five minutes and not even knowing where it starts and where it ends.
1: Yeah. Jazz is very fluid. And I think that is very Simic of it. Absolutely. That is so good. See, my two thoughts with, with Simic were, Fusion, which like jazz fusion. Yeah. Like rock jazz mix, which is the same path that you went on. I was also thinking like techno. Yes.
0: Yes. I was thinking thinking some sort of uh, electronic music.
1: Yeah. Not so much like the technology aspect of it, but like the very like experimental, like off the wall, very different aspect of it. Like that feels very Simic. Right. So next we got the Is It League. Oh yeah, these these ones are the math rock kids. Math rock, kid. okay.
0: They got a lot of goblins. They're into big explosions. Um, sometimes it blows up in their face. Um, they're just they're just into fucking doing it big.
1: Yeah, these are the yeah these are the math rock people to me through and through. Where it's they look at it at music more of like an equation than anything else, which just feels so is it to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I on the other hand
0: went a completely different route and oh, I geez. went I went dubstep. <laughs> I just imagine them waiting for the drop and then once the drop happens they're just blowing shit up, going crazy, a bunch of them in the crowd just jumping up and down, some dude fucking some little goblin
1: blows his arm off, everyone just keeps going. That is actually that's so brilliant. Like every art on an izzet card Just looks like the second that the beat dropped. Exactly, because there's the that's what's going on.
0: There's the blue side of it, which is like the magic, you know. It's the it's the 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 creation, and then there's the just explosion side of the red part of it, which is just about fucking dropping that bass. Yeah.
1: Okay. I am I am one hundred percent on board with your (laughs) your vision of the is it. Guild, yeah, that makes so much sense to me now. <laughs> and then, last but
0: not least, we have Boros Legion. This one Ooh. came pretty quick to me as well.
1: Okay, well, if this one came quick to you, let's what did you get with this one? Ska, really? Boros
0: is fast, it's frenetic. There's a because of the uh aggro decks, because of the burn element, it's just a lot of poppiness, it's not like big and uh, aggressive. It's not super intimidating, you know, it's not like a, a six six for four mana. Um, but it's when you think of ska, ska's you know, ska's like for fucking uh teenagers and 22 year olds with fucking hats on and you know, and yeah, fuck, with mopeds yeah. and shit. So it's kind of got that like fun, not too serious vibe, which is kind of where uh when you think about Boros, the aggro decks, and um not necessarily so much the storyline. In the books,
1: uh, but more the the
0: gameplay style of the Boros colors.
1: Oh, see, I went with out not the gameplay aspect of it. I went with very much like the thematic, the themy uh, elements of Boros for my decision here. Okay. And I am I am saying Boros is 100% hardcore to me. Hardcore. Okay. Yeah. Like the like the very like militant aspect of both of those <laughs> things. Yes. Yeah. That is where I'm coming from. Like the very like you like the Boros is their own thing. It feels like. Yeah. Even inside Ravnica. like they're their own tribe. Like they're all about Boros and they're going to do the Boros thing. And like it's heavy hitting. It's fast. I would even go one step further in in. Maybe like the straight edge hardcore. Oh, like the militant straight edge, like, like youth of today and stuff like that. Yeah. Like if you smoke a cigarette, then we're going to beat your ass. Like Boros is going to fuck your shit up. Yeah. Okay. Yep. They're yeah. Not, not even just hardcore. The straight edge hardcore scene is 1000% Boros to me. Yeah. Like New York hardcore,
0: late eighties, early nineties, just in your face. Uh, like you said, like Youth of Today, uh, Gorilla Biscuits, but Gorilla Biscuits are, aren't such hardcore uh, uh, judge. Yeah, judge, uh, visions of disorder. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, all that good stuff. Absolutely. That fits with the theme of Boros because in the story, they were the uh, the, the law keepers. I remember the angels kind of being very militant about a lot of things. And oh, very, yeah, they're dicks. Yeah, and dicks like exactly. Where it's not like, "Hey, dude, like, you mind smoking somewhere else?" Like, we're we're straight edge. It's like, if you light that cigarette, we're gonna beat I'm gonna your break ass. Your neck. Yeah. yeah, like you're dead. Like you actual were, physical dead. You will never smoke again. You know <laughs> what? You convinced me. I straight edge hardcore. Absolutely. Yeah, specifically like the New York or East Coast hardcore. Oh yeah, like twenty five to life or fucking yep. yeah. Just you nailed that. it. Hardcore. Absolutely fucking tattoos all over the fucking
1: neck yeah yeah shaved heads they literally have never smiled once in their entire lives
0: yeah i like (laughs) it absolutely
1: oh fuck yeah i
0: think we did it dude i dare anybody to get closer than we just got because that is one iota short of perfection no
1: yeah human beings have not been able to reach that amount of perfection ever and we've been around for thousands of years.
0: The only person who could do it better is God. And he's, he's busy doing other shit. So I think, I think we're number one.
1: Honestly, I think God can't even do that. Right. Yeah, he's like, busy. He created us to do this. And he's like, fuck, man. I, I don't even know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, they did it. They, they really did it. Man, he's
0: busy stopping gays from getting married or whatever he's doing. I don't know. How's uh, it feel to be better than God, Gordon? Uh, well... Uh, I think I'd have to believe in God before I thought I was better than him,
1: so, uh... I... <laughs> Man. That is... Make, that's a compelling point. You're 100% right.
0: <laughs> hey, I, I try and be really respectful when I come on the, the podcast, <laughs> but sometimes
1: I get too comfortable and just say shit, no, like... No, you nailed it. That was perfect. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> That's great. Oh, yeah, no. if, anybody, if anybody wants to try to come at us for our listing of guilds and their genres. Uh I w- I would love to hear some some wrong opinion.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't I don't want to take I don't want to get too comfortable putting my feet on your couch here over at a uh, uh, Fetch and Shock podcast, but that would be a very interesting
1: uh question of the week. Oh, yeah, that's 100% going to be the question of the week cuz one, I know that we're already right. <laughs> but two, I want to see how wrong other people are. Right. We need to validate
0: ourselves in seeing how wrong uh, some of your listeners are. Yeah, no, we're absolutely just going to be
1: stroking ourselves.
0: I mean, I'm already doing it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, if you, to, if you want to join that conversation, I'm going to post that up on the Fetch and Shock Twitter. That's Fetch underscore Shock on Twitter. Uh, I, I am genuinely curious on what people think of not only our lists, but... It, their own brains where they place each guild in each genre of music.
0: Yeah. I think that will be very interesting since you and I have very similar tastes in music. Uh, it, it guided us along a, a certain path.
1: Oh yeah. We, what we only had one or two that were not like dead on the exact same concept. Right. right. We had way more than five. Yeah. Way more than 50% were dead on the nuts. We had exactly the same idea. Yeah. Speaking of five. Woo! Oh I my God. You tried a... to walk me into that and I just completely <laughs> <laughs> just passed it. God damn it.
0: Yeah. I alley-ooped it and I was like, I guess I got to
1: dunk this bitch because nope. we're about to do a top five. <laughs> you alley-ooped it and I was just like, are we playing basketball? What? <laughs> you got your hockey gear on? I'm like, what? I'm on the bench. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That is a great segue into our top five of the week, which if you haven't had enough music talk, uh, you're in the wrong place because our top five is the top five magic cards that would work as band names. Oh, this
0: all ever since you told me about these two uh, these two segments, I have just been going crazy thinking about him like bugging my wife like well what do you think about this well what, what do you think like demir would be <laughs> like all this and she's shit. like you're a fucking nerd dude <laughs> yeah i'm like what about boros you played a boros deck back in the day, like what's up <laughs> so i came up with a lot like i have i'm gonna have to cut down some of the honorable mentions because i it it was hard enough just coming up with the top five that's fair. Well, why don't you just fire off a couple of honorable mentions for us? Okay. So um, my honorable mentions and my list is almost mono black because all <laughs> these fucking names are so metal that that's all I could think about. So honorable mention number one is Doomblade, simply because it reminded me of Doom
1: Metal. Oh, there you go. I like that. Yeah. Fleshbag Marauder. Ooh, see, that's a good one, too. I didn't even think about that.
0: I'm thinking just all these, like, bands that talk about all this gore and horrific stuff. Um, Or even, like, you know, a misfit style uh, band where it's, like, kind of that horror punk vibe going on. Uh, This one is a little bit more
1: hardcore screamo, but anguished unmaking. See, that does sound like a mid-2000s post-hardcore band absolutely they, so bad oh my god
0: they opened up for the band thursday and yeah it's great
1: yeah i'm pretty sure i did see anguish on making open up for thursday uh back when i was uh, 19 yeah and uh august burns red and <laughs> yo shout out to august burns red i, I saw them live so many times <laughs> I've got to represent those those Pennsylvania bands, man. They they grew up like an hour away from me, so I had to go see them. Uh,
0: what else do we got? We got um, Grizzly Spectacle, more of a you know a death metal type name. And um, what else do we got? Grave Crawler was more of like a psychobilly band name. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Cryptbreaker
1: also oh, so kind of
0: a psychobilly. You picked a lot of
1: creatures too. Yeah, and then the last one is Diabolic Intent diabolic intent was is also on my honorable mentions list because that (laughs) card is that's such a perfect name that is
0: a fucking great like after this i'm gonna look up all these and see if there's actual bands because there's probably there's probably at least like 25 percent these are actual
1: bands i wish i would have had the forethought to actually look it up to see if any of these were already bands because after this is released within a week there's going to be bands with all of them
0: yeah that's right now right after we do this we're gonna uh get all the twitter handles for these bands and then we're gonna sell them to them at a high premium we're gonna make a killing
1: (laughs) so that you heard here first all of the uh people who plan on starting uh punk or metal bands who listen to this podcast all zero of you (laughs) fuck But that is that all your honorable mentions? Uh, Yeah, that's all the honorable mentions for me. Yeah, that those are yours are all really good. Uh, You already mentioned the one I only have. I see I cut it down to a couple more, one of which abrupt decay. Yes, that one seems very like metal to me. I really, really like, especially with the I think it's the magic online promo, the Seb McKinnon one where it's like the goblin dissolving.
0: Oh yeah, that's definitely like album cover material. Yo,
1: absolutely. Which we could do an entire other top five of arts that could be album cover. Oh my god,
0: yes, we fucking could. Jesus (laughs) Christ.
1: Okay, Corey, uh, looks like you're gonna be back next week where we just sit down and do that top five and nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in. (laughs) Perfect. And then my my last one is actually a compound one of a cycle of cards. And instead of band names, these all feel like album titles. And it is actually all of the shock. Okay. Like overgrown tomb. Like that sounds like a great album title via Abrupt Decay. Absolutely. Overgrown tomb, hollowed fountain. Oh yeah. Watery grave stomping ground. Stomping ground sounds like one of the best hardcore records to ever come out.
0: Oh fuck. Yeah. That, uh, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be sexist, but A long time ago, somebody had mentioned that all of the names for the Shocklands can also be nicknames for a
1: vagina. Oh, my God. Is that true? Uh, Watery Grave. (laughs) Breeding Pool. Oh, Breeding Pool. (laughs) Checks out, dude. Holy (laughs) shit. Stomping Ground. (laughs) Okay, so after next week, when we do arts that could be album covers, we're going to be cards that could be genitalia for the next <laughs> top five. Oh my God, dude. Oh, that is mwah, mwah. <laughs> Chefs. Wow, can't believe I just planned out the next year of Fetcher Talk top fives here <laughs> with you in the past five seconds. All right, dude. Well, uh, I guess we can we can step into our top five now. All right, so top five
0: card names that sound like band names yeah lead us off okay so like i said mono black so a lot of metal names uh number five decree of pain oh yes just so fucking hardcore metal it's unbelievable
1: absolutely like decree of pain sounds like a band that you would like turn on and then like their their records are only like 25 minutes long but like 20 minutes through, you're like, I can't like this is too much. I can't listen to this anymore.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of their songs sound the same and they have the same song structure. And it's just a very visceral experience. Like you like that one song, but not like
1: 25 minutes of it. Yeah, it's it's just an audio version of a punch in the deck. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. What is your number five? My number five is Bitter Blossom. Oh, I like it. I feel like Bitter Blossom like should have like if they would have come out in the late nineties, they would have been really popular. But now that they came out in the 2020s, it's like they just missed their mark and they just sound like like an Oasis cover band.
0: Right. Like Bitter Blossom uh would have would have uh been on tour with like five non blondes. Exactly. Hundred percent. Like a Sarah McLaughlin
1: tour. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that And then my number four, we're back on the metal train. It that betrays. Oh my God. I can't believe. I can't believe I missed that one. Oh yeah. It that betrays is I, I am convinced that that's all. That has to already be a metal band because that one is just so good.
0: If I would have thought of that one, that would have been
1: my number one for sure. See, I have ones that I think are even better than that wow yeah it that betrays is so gnarly sounding uh that
0: that's such a good band name that i want to start a metal band just so i can use that name
1: that's it the fetch and shock metal band is going to be called it that betrays
0: i'm looking it up right now okay fuck i think there might be a band i mean there's a band camp you know what does that mean anymore oh no if they're not on spotify they don't exist
1: yeah (laughs) no, <laughs> it's just that's facts.
0: Yeah, we're taking that. So my number four is sepulchral primordial. Ooh, Sep- sepulchral,
1: sepul something. Sepulchral.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's very um graveyard monstery vibe to it. So it could be like uh, some kind of uh, almost like Viking metal. You know, very epic with oh. big monsters. Yeah,
1: Viking metal. That's exactly what I want. Like Norwegian. Yes. Like just. Like, you can't understand the words anyway, but you think they're in another language. Right, right. What and are those then, deals?
0: And then their music video is them, like, playing guitar. And then in the mountains behind them is this big monster. And somehow they they slay the monster with their guitar playing. I was going to say the video looks
1: like the Lost Bigfoot tapes. <laughs> 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 like that's exactly what the video is. Nice. And then just at the end of the video, it's just all the band members just like, like laying like in puddles of blood. Okay, <laughs> like that. That's that's the video.
0: Yeah, I like that too. Uh, so my number three is. Wait, did you got do your number four? or You did your number four. I did my number four. Yep. Number three is Death Cloud. Ooh, Death Cloud is so good! Holy shit, I didn't even think about that one. So I'm thinking kind of a uh, more on the hardcore punk side of the metal. You know, maybe like a thrash or just like a anarcho gutter punk sort of vibe to it.
1: I actually really like that one. Death
0: Cloud is such a good one. Like, I could see that coming out. There was a time in the mid 80s to where all the hardcore punk bands turned into like thrash bands. And that's kind of almost where I see the Death Cloud is like in that uh, uh punk band that transitioned to like thrash.
1: Oh, that's perfect. All right, what is your number three? My number three, also not a black card, Mindslaver. Mindslaver. Yeah. Okay, tell me what you think what genre that is. I think Mindslaver probably opens for like High on Fire or Sleep, and they play like that exact same style of like Doom Metal, like the very slow, like there's one chord per every four or five minutes, and it just drones on and on and on, and you don't know whether it's a new song or if this is just a continuation of the same seven-minute song or what the hell is going on, but it is just very in-your-face and very heavy.
0: I like it. I like it.
1: What do you got for number two? Or my number two is actually on your list. Okay. Because I've always loved this card as a band name. It is Decree of Pain. Ah, yes. I fucking adore that. It's just like one of the gnarliest sounding card names like just a decree of pain just thinking about that as, as just a statement such a metal name yeah that is just a verbal punch in the face i love it it just fits so well
0: yeah as soon as i came across it i was like well i gotta bump some other shit off the list because decree mm. of pain is going to be in my list decree of pain is so so good so this is the only non-black card i have in the list it is a green card Ooh and it is beast within holy shit beast within is so good and this is the classic uh blast beat metal um like Avenged sevenfold or the like atreyu or
1: any yes. of that any of that type of stuff beast within like five finger death punch I, you know what i haven't listened to them see i don't listen to them but i know that they're in that same vein gotcha Well, yeah, that seems about right. Beats was in does just sound like that, like very fast, like, like blast BD metal music. Absolutely. This is what I'm waiting for right here. I cannot wait to hear
0: your number one. um, Okay, so when I heard this, I said, this has to be a band. It's not even that it's it's not even that it's my favorite. It's that when I saw it, I said, that's definitely a band. (laughs) <laughs> like, there's no, there's no way that this is not a band. Did and you my, confirm that it's not? It, it is a band. Oh, okay, perfect. It is a band. I haven't listened to them, but I did confirm. It's Dark Ritual. Holy shit. Why did I not even think about that? It is just like, yeah, you hear it and you're like, that could be like in a game show. Like, is this a band or a magic card? Like, you don't know which one it is. Oh, wow. And this is like true, true death metal. Like no thrash, no uh, blast beats. This is death metal. Almost, almost edging on
1: black metal. Yeah, they're like one down tune away from wearing like white face paint. Oh, no, I think I. you're right. I think these guys are white face paint. Oh, you think they're like, they're like drop like G. So the, here's YouTube, Dark <laughs> Ritual.
0: Guys, hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to see what this, what this is like. I have to find out.
1: It almost has to be like black crosses over white face paint. Like they have a theatric thing when they play their live shows where they like spray fake blood on people. And they all bang their heads at the same time. Yeah, and they their hair is like cut to the exact same length. So it's like in unison with how their hair moves up and down. It's almost like theater
0: how much they have like a stage presence but it's not even like a great stage presence but it is synchronized
1: no it's yeah they're they play their music well but their acting is like at a high school theater level so it's somewhere okay. in between that too i'm gonna
0: send you this youtube <laughs> this youtube of the band dark ritual
1: because i mean <laughs> it's
0: it's i think i think uh we're on point here oh it's did like, we
1: nail it i think we nailed it I fucking love that. I can't wait to watch that. <laughs> oh, God. Holy fuck. Just the f- album art on Dark Ritual. I, I know, dude. It is, it's almost symphonic, too. Like, it's... That's,
0: that's incredible.
1: Oh, I can't wait. I can't believe I have to use Dark Ritual as one of the intro songs for this. <laughs> oh, this is amazing. All right. On, well, I don't is, even know if my number one can even hold up to that. <laughs> my number one is stab wound.
0: Oh yeah. This is, is hardcore. Absolutely. I can like, hear I can hear the singer's voice in my head.
1: Oh yeah. Like everything like, about Stab Wound is hardcore to me. I feel like you posted an album a
0: couple months ago and you might have tagged me in it. I forget exactly what it was, but it was just a hardcore al- every song sound it, it was like a big album for you like you know maybe like when you listen to
1: it or something oh yeah was it bent life i think so yep i never asked for heaven by bent life is one of my absolute favorite it might be my single favorite hardcore record of all time and stab wound like would probably tour with Bent life absolutely yeah it's like very like the lyrics are all vaguely positive but also like nihilistic absolutely and it's just like chugging drums like all of the drum feels you could ever imagine.
0: Yeah. This is yes. absolutely
1: stab wound. That's a good one. Yep. Songs to hate the government and the world too. Is stab wound.
0: Yeah. I hate life, but hey, let's let's come together
1: and fucking never give up type of shit. Actually that I think is the first two tracks on that on the second <laughs> stab album. It is I hate life and then never give up is actually the second track on that record. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> Once again, we nailed it. It's hard to imagine a person being so perfect, but two people being so perfect two times in a row. Like, that's It's an anomaly. God, it that betrays, man. I can't get over that.
0: That, I fucking love that one. Like, like I said, man, I might, me and fucking hot sauce might have to fucking bang some shit out because it that betrays.
1: Oh, dude, if you ever need somebody to do uh, mediocre guitar on that on the it that betrays record <laughs> dude uh I, I, I can muster something together <laughs> fuck yeah you'd be uh. impressed at how many times i can palm mute a uh open e <laughs> pretty impressive man <laughs> i can down tune to like nobody's business oh my god a fucking what do you need what do you know about e tuning but like three steps down <laughs> and my strings are actually laying on the ground below me.
0: <laughs> you can't strum that fast because they need time to vibrate back
1: and forth. Yeah, no, they, they're they're so slacked that they're just sticking to the magnets in the pickups that they don't actually move. They're just laying on the pickups. Uh, are
0: those Ernie Ball slinkies? No, those are just really, really tuned down. Strings.
1: No, they're Hasbro slinkies. <laughs> like, I just actually tied a slinky to my guitar. <laughs> oh, fuck, yeah. Yeah, they're nickel unwound. <laughs> Shout out to all the guitar players that are going to know these references. And uh, literally, what else? <laughs> yeah, that is. Those are deep cuts, man. I don't even know that much about it. <laughs> You're crazy? Yeah. We're, We are playing to our very, very niche audience that probably doesn't exist.
0: Yeah, we we just kept going until there's, like, one dude who's like, I know everything you're talking about.
1: That's how the Fashion Shock podcast works. It's we get everybody on board with the magic thing, and then we narrow it down into such a small pinhole that nobody fits through, and everybody's just like, I don't know, I'm fucking lost, man.
0: Yeah, we're, we're, they're we're saying the, it's the Daniel Tosh of MTG podcast.
1: Oh, that's that's rough. <laughs> that feels really bad. <laughs> God damn it. Well, uh. Corey, I guess there's only one more thing we have to do this episode. And what's that? That is our game. I haven't played this specific game in so long. I almost forgot what it's like. Because in our past two episodes, we did strictly worse versions of accumulated knowledge.
0: Wasn't it like the, uh, or the last one I was on, we did like, we were
1: up against one another. Yes, that was, yeah, that was the last one that you did. Which I think you're still the champion, aren't you? I think I am the reigning champion. So if anything, accumulated knowledge this time around, it's just to keep your knives sharp. You really right. have nothing to lose here because you don't have an opponent. I mean, I could lose to to myself, really. Which, that's I a, mean, all in all, losing to yourself, not the worst opponent to lose to.
0: Yeah, but that's the only person that can take me down thus far. <laughs> that Wait, or Jack Daniels, I
1: don't know, either one. Oh, those are both pretty bad opponents, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this week we are playing accumulated knowledge once again. In this game, we go to the Scryfall website, we hit the random card generating button, and a random card pops up. I'm going to ask Corey the name of that randomly generated card, and he has to give me the mana cost of the card. If he gets it right, he gets a point, and if he doesn't, um, he never gets to listen to the it that betrays, ever. Oh, damn it. Even when they do come out with music at some point.
0: I'll have to just make it, and then I can't I can't listen to what
1: it turns out to be. i just like, okay, I guess I'll trust the producer. Yeah, no, you have to wear earplugs during that entire <laughs> session of recording and then just whatever happens on the record happens. So I guess you better get it all right. All right. I'm I'm ready. All right, your first one. Um I think this one's pretty easy. It is Quirion Dryad. Oh, no. and. I feel like you should get this one. Querian I will remind you you do get three hints.
0: Querian.
1: Okay. Um
0: let's let's rub some brain cells together obviously it's a green card that's
1: there's that's for a given ladies and gentlemen the boy has still got it (laughs) query and try it i okay so
0: here this is what i'm guessing i'm guessing that i know what this card is but i've never said query out loud i've only (laughs) seen it in print so like it's not making a mental connection that's probably true i'm gonna go go ahead and just uh go back to the basics. And I'm going to guess it's one in a green.
1: One in the green. Corey, is that your final answer? It is. That is correct. Oh, no. Yeah, you nailed it. (laughs) One in the green. Yeah, and Dryad is actually from the most recent printing, Corset 2021. Oh, yeah. It is an uncommon creature dryad. It is a one one. And it says whenever you cast a spell that is white, blue, black, or red, put a plus one plus one counter on and Dryad. God
0: damn. I just opened a box. Of 2021,
1: and I know that <laughs>
0: card did not read the name. Like I said, I probably didn't know how to pronounce it. I was like, whatever, it's something dryad. Yeah, you're just <laughs> passing through the the comments. You're like,
1: uh, quack quack quack. Okay, pass it up. That was just stupid luck. Yeah, I mean, you got it though. That's all that matters. Exactly. All right, the next one is booby trap. You said
0: booby trap. Uh, like I want to say it was like. Exelon, but I just judging by the name, but I don't remember a booby trap because I would have did the same stupid joke.
1: <laughs> boobies. Yeah, boobies, ha ha. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> um, I have I have such I have such little of an idea what this card is that I feel like getting a hint would just be wasted because I don't even have the slightest. So I think you
1: might be right with that.
0: I'm gonna go ahead and say. Four
1: and a blue. Four and a blue, Corey. Is that your final answer? Final answer. Uh, that is unfortunately not right. Oh, that's a shocker. Uh, Yeah, Booby Trap is actually six colorless. Oh. It is an artifact, and it says, as Booby Trap enters the battlefield, choose an opponent and a card name other than a basic land card. The, uh, the chosen player reveals each card they draw. When the chosen player draws a card with the chosen name, sacrifice Booby Trap. If you do, Booby Trap deals 10 damage to that player. Huh. OK, that's a weird one. Um, The most recent printing for this is Salvat 2005. I believe it is an Italian only set. <laughs> Before that, ninth edition was the last thing. Oh, uh, OK, that might explain it. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that one was not an easy one. <laughs> Booby trap. I gotta look that up. Unbelievable. Are you ready for your next card? Yes. Corey, your next card was also printed in Salvat 2005. <laughs> that is nuts. I've never seen any... Uh, I've never seen that set before in my entire life. Apparently, its first printing was in Salvat 2005. Um, it is Scatter the seed,
0: Scatter this. So it's either white or green? Yes. It has something to do with lands. it's Ooh. it's a sorcery.
1: Hmm. Uh, how many hints do I get? You get 3 hints. Give me the 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 text, text. Give what this text. card does? Yes. It has convoke, which is a pretty good hint. So you may tap creatures to help pay for this mana cost. Um it also says create Three one one green sapling creature token.
0: Ah, okay. Okay. Convoke three one one. You said green sapperling tokens? Correct. Green sapperling tokens. Okay, so if it's convoke, it's gonna be overpriced. Um, that is very true. It's definitely a green card. Okay. Um
1: so from the seeds of faith, great forests grow.
0: Oof. OK, I'm going to go see green or double green. That is the question. But I
1: think we're going to go uh, four and a green. Four and one green. Is that your final answer? That is. Corey, it is three and two green. Damn it! <laughs> oh, you were so close! <laughs> Damn it! Oh, oh no. God. Yeah, this was printed in the Selesnia guild kit from Guilds of Ravnica no it was in modern that. masters 25 and it was in original ravnica city of Guilds, Ge- wow. and also salvat 2005 <laughs> <laughs> and Corey, it is an instant speed not a sorcery speed spell
0: ah uh, yes we'll convoke <sighs> how many wait
1: how many have i got right what number you've are we on one right oh geez your next one's a easy one though you've gotten one right and Two incorrect, but your next one, I have a good feeling you're going to get right. So it's going to come down to the last card. Okay. Are you ready for your incredibly easy fourth card? Yes. It is Mox Emerald. Oh, geez. Um,
0: those are like, uh, those are like diamonds, right? They're like circular, sort of. What's, uh, a, what's yeah, a number say- that's kind of circular, oval
1: shaped? I'm going to go uh, with zero zero is that your final answer that is my final answer oh man i'm so sorry i knew you have to go to the last card because you got that one right ah yes yeah uh yeah uh turns out moxer mode is zero mana uh you can tap it to add a green to your mana pool shocker no Corey. the big shocker is that this was not in salvat 2005 (laughs) that is the thing that i am very surprised about Salvat? That's what it's called, I think. Came out.
0: I'm looking it up right now. Salvat 2005 is a reprint only
1: uh, set released into the Spanish, French, and Italian market. Oh, okay. Uh, The only ones that I was seeing were Italian, but I can understand why it would be in other countries. The
0: cards from the Rats deck was also released in English version in the UK. And it was distributed in booster packs of 12 cards with the bi-weekly issues of the collectible Magic Encyclopedia. Oh, you gotta love that. And the cards are white-bordered and feature a flying Pegasus as
1: expansion symbol. They do. The expansion symbol is pretty sick. All right. Now that we got that,
0: uh, I'll close this out. Now that we got that settled. Salvat. I've never fucking heard of
1: that. Neither have I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's a good one. All right. Corey, are you ready for your last one i'm ready for the last one i got two I think, hints i think with two hints you are gonna get this one pretty easily it is propaganda if only there was a card that i knew from commander
0: if only if only um okay uh to use my two hints um <sighs> what give me the give me the color the the uh, it's color identity uh, propaganda is blue. It is blue. Okay. Um, okay. Now give me the flavor text.
1: The flavor text is the cost of your opposition will be extracted from your wits. That's Nekusar who said that.
0: Oh, Nekusar. Okay. Yeah.
1: It's uh, two and a blue. Corey, is that your final answer? That is my final answer. Corey, you would be correct. correct. Woo. That- I love how you built up max drama too by getting <laughs> the first one. Missing the second two, and then just full sweeping it after that.
0: And then just fucking brought it home. I can't, I still can't get, I don't, that Salvat, dude, I don't.
1: (laughs) How does it feel that the only two cards that you got wrong were from Salvat? Is that your least favorite set of all time now?
0: (laughs) I mean, now it's my favorite set of all time. I feel like I need to specifically get cards from that set and put them in some commander decks. I mean, I don't know every magic card in every magic set. But I've heard of a lot of shit. I've never heard of
1: that. <laughs> I don't even know what... I've got to go back and look up what uh, Magic Encyclopedia was. Yeah, I was just about to say, like, I don't even know when or how that was distributed. Like, I've never even heard of Magic Encyclopedia.
0: Yeah, was that like a, a magazine?
1: Yeah, was it, like, a precursor to The Duelist, or, like, what the hell was that? Okay,
0: so here we go. The Magic Encyclopedia is a collectible encyclopedia distributed in Spain by Salvat, a company of the Hachete Group Publishing Company and Hasbro. Wow, all the way back then, Hasbro, peeking into Wizards of the Coast.
1: Those crazy buggers.
0: Uh, The product was sold... Uh, with a set of exclusive cards that form theme decks, keeping it themey, specifically designed to illustrate the strategies of the game. Um, each issue of the encyclopedia contained a booster, yeah, 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 and it has its own thing. Wow, so it was, it seems like it was kind of like intro decks, um, huh. specifically for non English magic players,
1: yeah, you know, because <laughs> that core strategy of magic that booby trap fits in. Yeah, exactly. That very easy to understand card that everybody <laughs> knows, Booby Trap. Yeah. Six mana to do ten damage basically. But you also have to know what to name in your opponent's deck. And then there's a trigger that happens every time your opponent draws a card that's very easy to keep track of.
0: Yeah. Super, super linear. Uh I'll play it in Commander and I'll name Sol Ring. Go. Oh, I love that. Oh, man. That's so good. I'm going to fucking look up on TCG Player. Let's see what what cards we got in here. By the way, I have some presents for your guys' one-year anniversary that I have not sent. I got them a while ago, and they need a little bit of work, um, or at least Matt's do, and I haven't got around to it. They've just been sitting in my spare bedroom, sitting there right on the fucking table. So uh, what episode is this going to be? This is episode, I believe, 62. Well, I don't want to wait all the way to episode 100. So I'm going to get on that. But I have just mwah, perfect, perfect card. You crazy son of
1: a bitch. Well, dude, you only have uh, 38 more episodes to worry about that. <laughs> and who uh, knows? Matt might have his baby before then. Y- yeah. I mean, he might have another baby. Um, actually, I think the time checks out that that could possibly happen. Yeah, I'm not good with
0: numbers, but, uh... I'm not good with babies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, that means I have... I have the shout-out that I didn't prepare for because
1: I forget every time until I win that there's a shout-out. I love that you are so good at this game, but are so (laughs) bad at winning it. (laughs) I don't come very prepared. Like, you you are... Easily, at least by percentage, the most winningest player. (laughs) Like, you're going into the Accumulated Knowledge Hall of Fame, and it's a a first ballot, guaranteed. But you just are so bad at winning.
0: Oh, it is the worst. Okay, so something MTG-related, because I have plenty of non-MTG-related stuff.
1: What about the Magic
0: Encyclopedia? That's a good one. (laughs) Yeah, I'd like to shout out that one year that they did this thing one time. (laughs)
1: let me take you on a magic carpet ride back to 2005
0: (laughs) all right um so you know what you know what i'm gonna go with this is this is kind of a, a softball but it's a podcast i like to listen to every week um and it is the edh rec podcast oh yeah this is a good one they use the data from their website EDA track, if you don't know what that is, it's an amazing resource uh, for anybody interested in uh, building commander decks or just looking up uh, random weird uh, facts. And it, it takes all this data across from different deck building websites and pulls it up on this website so you can look up a commander and then look up the most played cards or the least played cards, or different themes with that commander, or how many times a card pops up in the 99 of a specific color. Like, there's so much you can do with the data there. And I listen to it every week, and they always got good topics. They are very PG rated, um, which is totally fine. That's not my particular style of content I like to produce, but... I love it that there is like good wholesome, just magic content out there. Cause I know talking about dicks and stuff, isn't everybody's cup of tea. Um, but these guys put out an episode every week. Uh, they're, they're into commander. They, they have like fun little games where they, they talk about a card that they think sees too much play according to the data or too little play according to the data. And, uh, yeah it's just it's an it's an interesting way to consume um commander content it has it's based on actual numbers so so yeah edh rec podcast
1: yes shout out to edh rec cast actually shout out to everybody who isn't us (laughs) (laughs) just know
0: you're not as good but you get a shout out
1: yeah i mean we gotta at least throw some pieces of bread to the peasants down there absolutely (laughs) All right, dude. Well, I got to do some shout outs of myself. First of all, shout out to the Fetch and Shock podcast, the one that you're listening to. If you want to find us on Twitter, you can find us at Fetch underscore Shock. If you want to find me, I am at basic BasicLandBin. If you want to find my co-host that is uh, dead and not here, you can find him at it's bot. If you want to find Corey, Corey, where can they find you? You can find me at
0: uh, Knife underscore City on Twitter. And like I mentioned earlier in the episode, uh, we're going to be bringing uh, my podcast to a close, If Lands Could Kill. You can find us at at If Lands Could Kill with one L because the other L was uh, only printed in Salvat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that 2005 was such a great year for the L, though. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I think that set was an L because nobody's ever heard of it. (laughs) Until
1: now. Yeah.
0: Incredible. We just put it on the map, dude. All the cards are going to sell out. People are going to
1: speculate. I get oh, it. Yeah. Just another little sneak in to the the MTG Finance podcast. That so is the Fetch and Chalk cast.
0: Yeah, all those scary speculators. They're going to buy all that shit up. Now. Go
1: buy your out cards now, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and then additionally, if you want to join the conversation, go to the Fetch and Chalk Discord. You can find the link in the description of this episode or on our Twitter, again, at Fetch underscore Shock as well as if you really want to support the podcast go to flipsidegaming.com buy all your singles or sealed product and at checkout use code fetch and you will get 10 percent off so we're saving you money and you're helping out the podcast so go do that uh besides that Corey, you got anything else for the the folks at home um no
0: uh other than catch you on the flip side huh yeah see you later (laughs)